America for 300 years has been the land of promise for the rest of the world. The land of new frontiers, new opportunities. Yeah, we stand here to get at. Clicking sounds, sounds that reveal the presence of radioactive rain. The instrument, a Geiger counter, is converting radioactivity into sounds we can hear. Good evening and welcome to Tank Riot. This is episode 136, where we talk about our top five comic strips, cartoon strips. It's a dying art. However you want to put it. Yeah, it is, it is so, in fact dying. It's kind of interesting that, that everything's changing onto like web comics and things like that, so it'd be good to talk about the, the origin of even the web comics. Well, yeah. I, um, I'm Sputnik. Uh, with me as always is Victor. Hello. And Tor. Hi there. So, do we have any but first this week? Well, Tor and I managed to go check out the Star Trek Into Darkness film this weekend. Uh-huh. And I I think it's fair to say I was correct about the movie. Uh, <laughs> but it was really good, and they, did, they yeah. did the time sequencing really well. I thought it was a fantastic film. I thought it was b- the best film I've seen so far this year. I really enjoyed it. Yep. So, thumbs up. It's one of those movies I don't want to say a whole lot about. I don't want to give away too much, but I think they're they're doing really good scripts. They're, they've got good acting, and I think that it's in a good direction. And now it's almost set up for like a franchise journey. So I'm I'm very excited. I thought it was a great film. Yeah, and and in, we can do a spoilers episode later or something after we've all seen it and just talk about no, how the time you guys, paradox. You guys was great. can talk about all that stuff. It's mm-hmm. not a problem. I probably won't even see it. So you really should. I, I think you dig it. I don't know. I I have a hard time finding the motivation to go to theaters and much anymore. So um, well, when it comes out on DVD, yeah, yeah. maybe, yeah. Well, so, then. but this isn't really a spoiler, but. They really focused on uh, one aspect that I felt amusing. They focused on Spock's uh, determination to follow the rules mm-hmm. and Kirk's inability to follow the rules. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it was just kind of it was a, a you know fun thing to watch. And it, okay. I, I think I'm definitely more in this Kirk camp. I have a trouble trouble with bureaucratic rules. Well, they had they but, had this they had this idea where this new Kirk in this new timeline because of the death of his father in the very beginning of the first film isn't a captain. He's not James T Kirk. He doesn't have the everyone follow me because I'm Kirk. He's he's less confident. He's not a good leader. He doesn't follow the rules in a in a worse way than the original Kirk because the original Kirk didn't follow the rules, but he was still the captain in charge. Everyone was supposed to do what he said according to him. It's a different right. type of cat. I hope they get over this part of him where he's such a kind of a wuss and has always given up the leadership. They probably should have gotten somebody a bit older than Chris Pine, I think, to uh, to play Kirk, simply because I think you have to have a certain gravitas to to be a captain of anything. Yeah, and so William Shatner, even though he was just William Shatner, was a little bit older, and you know he kind of had the arrogance right. and the swagger. You just generally followed him, whereas yeah. Chris Pine would be like, "Yeah, kid." Well, yeah, yeah he, my it, it was kind of weird that he almost came straight out of the academy and into the captain's yep. chair, and you follow, which was a bit yeah. strange. You follow, yeah. you follow Spock more as the leader. Spock is more of the captain. Zachary Quinto is a fantastic Spock, and he's more of the leader yeah. type. But talk about leadership in Starfleet. Peter Weller is an admiral, and. <laughs> He was a freaky admiral, and I was like, "Wow, that's cool!" So it was cool to see Peter Weller again, and and the the villain Benedict Cumberbatch, I think is his name. I don't know him, but he's from Sherlock, and uh, he was he was brilliant. He was a great villain, and again, the way they use this alternate timeline is fantastic. So I loved it. 
I also would give a quick shout out to the movie Oblivion, which I don't think either of you guys have seen. I, I don't think I talked about it in the last podcast because it's been a while since we've gotten together. I think I think what soured me on that was just that, you know, I finished that book I was talking about in other podcasts going clear about mm-hmm. Scientology. There was a lot about Tom Cruise in there. And I, I have a hard, even a harder time now separating yeah. that from... I mean, his, his the man's characters. a good actor. I'm not taking that yeah. away from him, but it's just like, oh, I know way too much now. Yeah, he's so weird yeah. in the personal space to see him on film. Is, yeah, I, I'm got to be an uncomfortable set. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Almost which you didn't know. But you but know? I think it's yeah. a great yeah. DVD if you guys get a chance to watch Oblivion on DVD. It's beautiful. It's a great science fiction story. Mm-hmm. Again, it was really predictable and kind of slow, but visually, it was a great story and it was complicated and. I didn't think it. I, I thought it was good sci-fi storytelling, so I was I was fairly impressed with it, even though Tom Cruise was in it and Morgan Freeman. Take him or leave him. I don't really care. I I I, I wish everyone would get over Morgan Freeman. He's not that big a deal to me. Great, he's got a cool voice and everything, but I don't know. I don't. I didn't go to the movie for Tom Cruise or Morgan Freeman. I went because it was crazy spaceships in a sci-fi future of all earth is destroyed i went for the post-apocalyptic bliss well i think after earth now you know with will smith breaking in his uh <laughs> new retirement fund which is to say his his son in this particular movie right. but his daughter and other ones it's uh safe to say that we might have up to five black actors in hollywood now well that's a good you know, that's an improvement but i'm not excited give about a that little movie. bit of a rest yeah. yeah i'm not excited about that movie yeah. at all no i <laughs> I, Will Smith is is not somebody that I find interesting, and you know I've I can't honestly say there's a movie. I mean, Men in Black, okay, but he was kind of the Fresh Prince, and you know it, it was yeah that was what made it he, kind he of does, fun. It was just yeah, the Fresh Prince he, idea. He's yet to truly break away from sort of the Fresh Prince character in a. In, right. in a really good way. I mean, I guess he's done some more dramatic, done some dramatic serious roles, roles where happiness. he does, the, but but maybe it's a little harder as, as the viewer too? to forget. I that think so. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm sorry, his retirement fund. His, his retirement fund was with him in that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll tell you one movie I I was I didn't go to, but I was curious enough in the same way that I was of the Passion of the Christ, just because it looked like such a fucking train wreck that. I was curious enough, and that's uh, The Great Gatsby in 3D. Right, oh. in 3D. 3D. Now, I love F. Scott Fitzgerald. I mean, he's he's one of the few Lost Generation authors that I honestly like. I mean, I always thought Hemingway was way overrated and not really one of my favorites. And I know there's obviously others, and they, they have their merits as well. But I've always really enjoyed F. Scott Fitzgerald. And The Great Gatsby is one of those books that just refuses to be made into a movie, and yet they keep trying. Now, the one thing that intrigued me about mm-hmm. it was that at least they had somebody decent, you know, an honest actor playing Jay Gatsby as opposed to Robert Redford, who is Robert Redford. And yeah, that's everything. it. You right. know, thank you very much for your theaters, but your Sundance theaters, <laughs> but past that. Haven't seen a lot, you know. A lot of your movies leave me kind of like, oh, it's Robert Redford as an English pilot in Out of Africa. Oh, right, it's Robert Redford as a Washington journalist. You know, it's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> but in any case, um, I, I guess what the director did to the movie. Now, first of all, you'd have to know that anybody who was associated with Moulin Rouge, that was Baz Luhrmann. That's right, and you know who was, you know. After doing Moulin Rouge was actually allowed to helm a large project like this. It's like, what the hell were you thinking? (laughs) But uh, apparently it it was just he took over the movie to such a point 
that first of all the the 3d like made everything look out of focus you know kind of so it's really not a 3d movie really but that he focused mm. on the parties but then would have hip-hop soundtracks and everything so it was like completely discordant and you know that that almost Whoa. intrigued me enough to go yeah. to just as like oh really and Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio should really know better I mean he's done pretty well at picking movies and what the hell were you thinking here and hmm. but hmm. yeah to go yeah. from Quentin Tarantino to Baz Luhrmann's kind so, of a... so none none of us have actually seen this yet though right no no, no. And, yeah. and I don't see I mean I've read yeah. the book. I, love I don't the book, see an alternate but... timeline where I actually see this film. Right, right. No. <laughs> I don't think it's possible. No. And so, so if anybody actually thinks we should see this, and that doesn't mean we will, you can send email to feedback at tankriot.com. Yeah, mm-hmm. but but don't try real hard because it's not going to really happen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when it's on free TV, or when I say free TV, I mean like on basic cable, I'll probably watch it. Yeah. But. <laughs> That's about as much effort as I'm going to put into that. And there's there's more and more movies that are like I say I'm, you know I always had these categories where I would you know go to the theater to mm-hmm. see this. I would you know rent the DVD. I would you know wait for it to come on cable or the premium right. channels or something. That third category is filling up more and more, more like and that. more. And there's like <laughs> less and less that I, I even want to stretch myself to go. You know, even pick up yeah. the DVD. Well, I know that A.O. Scott, um, he gave a negative review to the Star Trek Into Darkness film. And I don't I don't understand because I generally do like his reviews. But um, I do think it's a really good film. And I, I think you'd enjoy it. So, I mean, the Star Trek film, watch it on DVD and let me know if I'm an idiot. And if anyone else out there didn't like it, I'd love to hear why not. Because oh, no, it was I'm, a wonderful I'm film. I'm sure it's probably yeah. a fine film. It's just, um, I don't know. I mean, it was probably about a year or two after the first one came out that I mm-hmm. finally sat down and watched it. And yeah, it was okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's yeah, it's yeah, still it's not something I'm I'm rushing to the theater for. You know, it's it's uh actually I have I have yet to see a preview yet for the summer blockbusters and I'm air quoting mm-hmm. that I would say, Oh yeah, I'm going to take this time out and go see this at the theater, even for pure entertainment, because I mean and let's define pure entertainment in the American sense, which mm-hmm. is more or less just turning your brain off and staring at something, scanning lines for a period of time. <laughs> There's plenty mm-hmm. of choices you can have for that without right somewhere else. you know going you know paying ten bucks. Right. And, I'm and, a sucker mm-hmm. for paying the the big bucks to have the peace and quiet of a quiet dark movie theater during the day. Like I went and saw Iron Man three, and I, I don't know if we talked about it in the podcast or not. I, I think we I don't didn't know. record until it's I been a while, so I'm not sure, but. I enjoyed yeah. it. I thought they did a wonderful job of the Mandarin, but it wasn't as good as the Star Trek film. But it was definitely a fun Marvel blockbuster yeah. hey, type. Would you say film. is Iron Man three appropriate for a ten year old? Uh, you know, I I really think so. Yeah, well, yeah. It depends on the ten year old, obviously. It, it but... would depend on the ten year old. You're dealing with yeah. some of the some of the bad guys were Terminator style villains that you couldn't really. Hurt until they explode. So no, like boobage to speak of, or anything. <laughs> of course not. Yeah. It's completely PG thirteen. And oh, okay, uh, but I but I don't know why it yeah. wouldn't be appropriate for a ten year old. My ten year old, it, it's more if it gets too too dramatic, too intense. No, that might be it, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't dramatic or yeah. intense, and in the ways that I felt, Star Trek was a, a little bit, you know, it was even over long in some ways, but. I loved how in Star Trek you didn't yeah. know who to root for, but with Iron Man three it was very straightforward. You're rooting straightforward, for Iron Man. Yeah. You're against the Mandarin, and the Mandarin yeah. was geniusly played by Ben Kingsley. 
and that Ben Kingsley Sir role. Ben Kingsley. I was so goddamn confused how they because I hated the Mandarin as a kid. I hated the man with the magical rings. Yeah. Fighting with magic against Iron Man, who used technology and brains yeah. to battle evil, and this evil had pure weird ring magic behind him with no. I couldn't. I could never follow that. It's like Doctor Strange huh. was hard for me to read because it was like well, completely. Let's make up crazy crap and yeah. we'll just throw crazy. Oh, around. it's my arch nemesis Dormammu. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, okay, so, yeah. so the Mandarin. What they did in the movie was fantastic, and it made me completely mm-hmm. filled with joy at the reveal of Ben Kingsley. So I'll just leave okay. it at that if you haven't seen it. Ben Kingsley was great. Um, I did watch the last episode or the season finale or whatever whatever the BBC considers to be a season, which I, I think is roughly about five or six five episodes, episodes. <laughs> uh, and uh, of Doctor Who, and they I, – I got to say this was kind of a weak season. Yeah. And the but the finale was kind of the one that they should have showed at the very beginning, and kind that of, would yeah. have kind of kicked everything off, and it would have been a lot, <clears throat> you know, locked in a lot better. And I was like, oh, okay, you know what? I think you should go away for a few months and just think about what you did. <laughs> think about what you've done. Yeah, hey, but, but Victor, I, I like seeing that character. Correct me if I'm wrong, but a Doctor Who se- secondary character showed up in the new Star Trek movie. Correct? A Doctor Who secondary character wasn't it the guy who played a. Mickey? Oh boy. The, uh I don't know. I th- I didn't I didn't check on the <laughs> IMDb but I don't know. I think you know the uh what's her face's uh first boyfriend. Oh yeah, uh, uh Billy Piper. Um what was Not her? Rory? Rose. Oh. He's, Rose. Yeah, Rose. He's talking about yeah, Rose uh The guy he, she was dating. She had a black boyfriend. Oh, okay, Mickey. Yeah. Well, it was, was in that. it was never it was never clear really what their relationship was. Mm-hmm. Of course, once they start becoming companions of the doctor, then it becomes even more blurred. Yeah. But I, I do feel like the writing has taken this dramatic uh finesse yeah. touch way too seriously, whereas Doctor Who with Chris Frackleston and, and Billy Piper and all that, in the first seasons of Daniel Tennant, it seemed like they were fun episodes that was kind of a contingent and bigger plot arcs but I, I think they're investing way too much in the bigger plot arcs and only having five episodes and i think everyone's you know watching every word and inflection and sentence and I, I just yeah. don't think that's as fun as having him yeah you need to have like 10 or 15 episodes and then take those five and in between the five have you know a bunch of one-offs you have sure. to have one-offs. Of, yeah. one-offs are important especially to a science yeah. fiction thing like doctor who well will smith yeah. seems to be very touchy-feely which i don't really care for and this new companion to me never ever gelled oh yeah so i i hope she's not coming she's back impossible. for the next season yeah she's impossible she's impossible <laughs> to watch so and it's just yeah but but they're heading up to the 50th anniversary which might bring some tom bakers and people back and i enjoy the weirdness of seeing john hurt's face show up for some strange reason that i'm still confused about Hopefully that'll make sense eventually. I'm guessing what <laughs> what what that means is is that that would have been the Doctor's incarnation during the Time Wars. So could have been, yeah. But I the mean, Doctor's supposed I, to only have twelve lives, right? Well, I know in the original series, wave the wand. Obviously, and... you know, him and the Master have gone way past those twelve regenerations. So, yeah, that's out the uh, that's right. out the window. So, yeah, I would think that John Hurt is the Doctor. You know, it was like. Um, the last episodes with um, the Tenth Doctor, where they were talking more about the Time War and mm-hmm. everything, and and I mean, really, this is how that whole series with Christopher Eccleston and everything started off, where he's like the last survivor, 
there's nothing left, but then you find Gallifrey is like in between milliseconds or something, but that they're, they're all, they're, they're not scientists. They're not time Lords anymore. They're warriors. Mm -hmm. And I would assume that, you know, his character is the doctor that had to assume command and do things at that period. I would almost like to just see him go back to Gallifrey and do something with the time war and do something interesting with this spot that they're never going back to ever. I think it'd be fun to go back to Gallifrey. Yeah. It's possible. I mean, mm-hmm. they just kind of show it in flashback. Yeah, everything's in flashback, so, but, you know, I don't know. We'll but, see. Maybe it'll yeah, get better in the future. But, yeah, it was a weak season. Certainly mm-hmm. not a whole lot has been happening politically, or at least nothing worth noting. No, I, I can't think of yeah. anything, really. I mean, while the IRS used as uh, as a weapon against political targets, I'm sure that's never happened before. Yeah, and <laughs> it's yeah, it's been happening forever, and... It'll be interesting. You know, the pushback is interesting on that one because I think the pushback from the Obama administration is, oh, yeah, you want to go down that path? Yeah. All right, then we'll reveal all the things that you did with the IRS. You know, yeah. it'll be interesting to see what the, what the Republicans, they're grandstanding now, but I don't yeah. think anything's going to come I don't know. If, you know we were talking yeah. before about all the video cameras in London and why they should or shouldn't have them. Mm-hmm. Probably should get some more. I don't know if you heard about the most recent slaughter today. Today? No. Yeah. No, I didn't. Oh, these guys, these you know, grab this um, soldier, you know, active duty British soldier and just like, well, they first they hit him with a car and then they got out with and stabbed him with various knives, decapitated him and then waited till everyone could film him with bloody hands and everything else until the cops came and then they came at the cops and the cops just put him down. Of course, they took him to the hospital. I'm like, and why are you taking him to the hospital? Why did they do that? Like, were they just nutbags? No, they were followers of Allah. Well, yeah. you know, that is that is a religion of peace, and I they were outliers. So. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Off in the morgue is at the hospital. Yes, that's true. So. They were taking him to the basement. Yeah. Well, no, they, they were still moving. Oh, which, the, the killers? Yeah. Oh. Okay, but which not shows the, the British probably aren't great shots yet. <laughs> <sighs> They're not... You know, oh, and then they revealed that there was some some drone attacks against, you know, U.S. civilians, but U.S. civilians that are now living in Yemen and doing mm-hmm. all this other stuff. And there's going to be this whole framework. But at the end of it all, we're still going to close down Gitmo. <laughs> like, OK, you know, whatever. Just I don't even care. Yeah, just, just wrap it all up and admit that there's, you know, it's done. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just done. Yeah, and all I, all I hear lately is yeah. Walker's, uh, he's uh, trying to appeal to Iowans because he's trying to make a run for the presidency yeah. in 2016. Delusions of grandeur. I mean, hey, oh, man, yeah. it's worked for others. I mean, a oh, run yeah. for the presidency doesn't mean a win, but it does mean, I mean, he spends uh, no time in the state of Wisconsin as it is because he's no. always on tour oh, trying yeah. to you know get that campaign dollar up. That's true. That's but, true. Yeah, the less he's here, the less he can fuck around. And yeah. certainly, our our new jobs, uh, new job statistics really reflect that oh too. My God, boy, he's he's done so much. Wisconsin is in the toilet. We are tro- we are from tropical Madison, Wisconsin here. Oh, and and right. now, and now the well, cops are 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 uh, pissed off at him again too because of the so called double dipping, as they call it. Mm-hmm. But it's not really double dipping. It's just that it's it's a way that smaller communities can hire. Uh, retired law enforcement officers, but it's at a lesser rate, but they can add to their retirement funds. So, but, oh, no, no, that's double dipping. That's double dipping. So it will probably result in, you know, a lot less, but, you know, that's okay because by God, we're, we're, we're standing our ground. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. America, you know, in Wisconsin, we make some of the, uh, 
you know, the nation's, uh, what many believe, a premier toilet, uh, the, the Kohler company. The Kohler toilet. toilet. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I think the motto is now you, just, know, now you know you're shitting in tall cotton. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm not sure how this ties in, but I, you just said toilet. and Toilet. I, got to think. <laughs> it, I said toilet. <sighs> I'm proud of Wisconsin's toilets. Yeah. Our brave toilet heritage. That's so right. We do. W- when we say toilets, we know toilets. Yeah. We do know toilets. <laughs> I don't know if you gentlemen have... have uh, when you know cheese, you got to know toilets. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if Wisconsin, <laughs> cheese <laughs> equals toilets. Uh, if, if, you, if you guys have ever had an opportunity to use one of those highly complex Japanese toilets, or, or even the, the Kohler variety of <laughs> complex electronic I thought that was toilets. a drinking fountain. No. <laughs> no, it's, well, it's not the European bidet where you just have the weird little rinse sink next to the toilet. It's... Um, where you have this kind of control pad, which looks like you might be operating the turbo lift in the I, Enterprise. I want to oh, do yeah. this, but I have not had the experience. <laughs> okay, well, I did it. I and, want the confusion. You know, I, went through, I went through the full, you know, being a techie, I had to go through the full <laughs> menu. And the first thing, you know, how do I flush? <laughs> okay, I just want to know that. Is there a manual backup handle in case this doesn't work? I'm giving her all she's got, Captain. <laughs> because if I can't. You know, I mean, I, we all know the poem. If it's yellow, let it mellow. If it's brown, flush it down. Well, you know, I want In these to aisles sure. of sun and fun, yeah. we never flush for number one. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, my- so anyways, I got to use the, sp- yeah. the spray and uh, drying attachment. Nice. So it's all it's all in one stool. So then if you start, if you understand the control pad and everything, after you've done your business, you have the spray and you can wow. adjust the temperature <laughs> and then there's a air dryer attachment, which not an attachment, but it's, it's part of the toilet too. So it's like a spray and a dry I mean, if they wax the fucker, that, right. that'd well, be it. I don't know if I'd want that to be a surprise. <laughs> I gotta tell you, hit the shaving a wax. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta tell you, with my luck with plumbing, I just know that that sprinkler and hair, the air, ass dryer. Oh my god, all the uh, they get all mixed you, up, and yeah, I've got this toilet upstairs, which I do have to replace really badly. But the girls keep flooding it; they just keep flooding my upstairs, yeah. and so I'm well, every time it's going up, it's going up. I hear that, and then I run up the stairs yeah. to like. Plunge the toilet and try Turn to get it to drain. Because females yeah. will keep flushing in order to clear <laughs> so, the plug. Just a week ago, I did the same thing where I'm just lunging up the stairs as fast yeah. as I can. I threw my back out. I, oh, I got no. to the top of the stairs <laughs> and I had to hold the wall and then go lay down and let the bathroom flood. <laughs> I'm, oh, no. I'm just now getting the point where I can like oh. walk around oh, I'm so sorry. without like a safety oh, wow. belt on, you know. Stop flushing. So so I am gonna try to find a future toilet or some kind of toilet that'll that'll accept whatever it is is yeah. <laughs> going into it. One of those low volume power flushers. It better flush be forty five golf balls at one single yeah. time. <laughs> Yeah. I, I don't have a good answer for you yet, but the one I'm going to try next is the American Standard Champion. Yeah, I might go that way. So. Those are awesome. <laughs> yeah. That You have to detach your ass before you flush. Otherwise, there will be damage. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> those well, things will be really pull it. it in. Well, I want one of those industrial ones like you can get at the universities where they're... <laughs> but, but females will not use a plunger. It's mm-hmm. like not in their DNA. 
they just it's it's like too gross to them mm-hmm. or they don't want to do well, it or whatever. So yeah, you just keep flushing. You know, oh, I got to do all the plunging in our house. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, what it's, is it? I it's mean, one of these toilets. It's not even a low flow toilet, but not only do I have the toilet, but I usually fill a little container of water, like a bucket or a potty sure. seat of water, so that when I flush the toilet, I pour more water in it in order to get the thing to flush. Wow, that's a pathetic toilet. Yeah, that's yeah. It. but you you really want low flow because. If it's gonna flow over, you know, you only want <laughs> yeah. you only want yeah. the one point two eight gallons right. to go over, not the true. seven gallons. This is true. You don't want the yeah. Yeah. Good point. But the uh yeah, as long as we're on this subject, I, I just um <laughs> shitters. We're adding value. Yes, I, I, I just broke my plunger of twelve years. That it, oh no. I probably use that sucker a thousand times. We have really bad plumbing. Was it like in our a wood house. handle one or was it more? Yeah, well, so you gotta wood, have a wood handle one. The wood wow. handle one broke off. It just and, dried out. Huh? So yeah, I had to rush over to Home Depot before they closed and get another one. It's hard to find those anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know, now they always have like those weird plastic ones, like the, the Oh like with oh, the egg. Yeah, they look yeah, like they're from Mars. I hate those. Yeah, All they do is lead. splash. Mm-hmm. They do splash, and then they <laughs> and things get sucked up in them, and yeah. they don't go back out. And then yes. you set it to the side, and, and you get this it ain't black pretty. mold all on the inside of it. Oh. Yeah, hope no one's eating. Well, the mold would be the least of it. Let's put it that. <laughs> all way. right. Now the kids are watching Underdog, the new Underdog movie. Yeah, um, and <laughs> that has Peter Dinklage in it, does it not? Uh, I think he uh, might uh, be uh, the evil scientist. It has Earl's pa- the... Patrick Warburton in it. The t- <sighs> yes, then yes, I think that is the one with mm-hmm. Peter Dinklage. Okay, yeah. I didn't really watch the whole thing, but I did catch what was probably the best line in the movie. And I, I might be paraphrasing it, but uh, Underdog says, uh, you know, I don't think I should be taking ethic lessons or uh, I don't think I should be taking manner lessons from somebody who pees in my porcelain drinking pot. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Gentlemen, I'd like to take a break. All right. <laughs> So we're going to talk about comics. We're going to talk about Sunday funnies. Yes. So, um, well, funnies in general. I know, but all right. So we all we all decided we'd talk about our top five favorite Sunday comics. And what I'd have to say about that is a lot of the some of the best happened before I was around reading the Sunday comics. And like my dad got the newspaper, and I read the Sunday comics, and I read the the comic the weekly comics because you always had a weekly strip that generally had a big Sunday color version, and then you had this yeah thing, but. I I would say that the medium itself, you know, started in the 10s and 20s or whatever, 1920s or whatever. And there were some great comic artists that I I really don't know anything about. I mean, I know about them now, but I think we should mention a couple of them, like Crazy Cat by George Harriman. Um, There's Pogo. It's another one by, uh, what was the name of that guy? Walt Kelly, I think was his Mm -hmm. name. And um, Mm -hmm. they're really fantastic and influences on a lot of other... comic artists that came after them so i just i want to throw it out there that i don't feel that i know everything about every sunday comic that was ever written no but i know that i I especially admire crazy cat because of the way that he played with panels and because of the way that he inspired some of my favorites the only reason i knew his name in the first place was because some of the people i'll mention have mentioned him in the past as an influence sure but he would draw these great arizona desert landscapes behind these characters that were like a a crazy cat, a mouse named Ignatz, and a uh, dog that was Officer something. Oh, or other. Ignatz? Yeah, Ignatz was the mouse, and then yeah. Officer something was the dog. 
And the cat was in love with the mouse, and the mouse would throw bricks at the cat, which the cat would take as signs of affection. Right. And then I don't know what the dog was really doing. But, it was uh, pretty funny. There, there were a lot of comics that, <clears throat> frankly, I never followed. They were kind of – I mean, some of the older ones that I kind of liked were like the Phantom – you know, I kind the of serial, like, the serial of the comic Phantom. books. Yeah, 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 those those were I, I enjoyed those. Mm-hmm. But you know, like Dick Tracy and Pogo, and uh, you know, and there are some that are still in the papers to this day, which I can't understand the longevity. Like, of course, Prince Valiant. Yeah, and... they get like they get new writers and stuff to take them over. Yeah, Prince yeah. Valiant always pissed me off as a kid, and I think I might have mentioned this previously. Is that on Sunday I would read Prince Valiant and I'd be like, what the hell is going on? Why is he in the desert? Why is he marching here? Who are these people? You read yeah. the blurb and it doesn't make any sense. And then you don't realize, or I didn't realize as a kid, what, well, all week long they're explaining what's going on. Yeah, and then the Sunday yeah. is you know, a, a follow-up to that. And then the next week it was a continuum right. of things. And I could never keep track of what was going on i would never no. search out prince yeah. valiant to find out what was going on but i remember every sunday comic i'd look at and go why the hell is he in a jungle and who are all these people he's oh, right. with? and why yeah. is that man wounded yeah. and what's going on here you know and i'm sure text. some of these make much more sense if you can if they're if they're on the internet where you can read them in order or if you can buy a book of a compilation <laughs> of like a whole year's yeah, worth then maybe, it's probably maybe, much more interesting maybe so yeah, yeah. with the dumb so. haircut yeah, I never yeah. liked Prince Valiant. For Rex that Morgan, MD. That's another oh yeah, one. Oh, or Mandrake yeah. the Magician. That one was in there for years, and it was like you don't really see that magic Mandrake, but... right? <laughs> okay, I mean, but you got a great looking suit. There's that a couple the others joke. that I don't. Let me are are either of these on your list, and I can cut this out if so. But like, is BC or Wizard of Id on your list? No, no, because okay. there's some like okay, BC was silly because that's Johnny Hart, and right. he had all these cavemen running around, and he was really wildly inventive. He had that wheel thing that they all sure. wheeled around on. I loved it, and then yeah. and then he got religious. He found religion like in very I don't late, know, in life. late in life. Yeah. He found religion, and all of a sudden, the cavemen were talking about Jesus. Yeah, and he was getting all these controversies about like the menorah well, falling apart with the word Jesus Christ showing up. Yeah, or, they are cavemen. Yeah, yeah. Well, the name of the comic is BC, <laughs> right? Before, <laughs> yeah. so I mean, no why would cavemen have any clue what yeah, Johnny? Come on, what are you? Another one was kind of like Alley Oop, you know. That was another caveman one that didn't. Wizard of Id could oh. could be funny, but sure, I I yeah. love the Wizard of Id, and I did. Yeah. There were things I loved about BC. Even yeah, there's though... some good BCs out there. Oh yeah, I guess yeah. I'm a whore. Yeah. To, I'm a whore to all the comic funnies because I read every one of them. I don't. I yeah. had no. I had no filter. I'd read them all, but but Wizard of Id, they had good characters, and Brant Parker, I think, was the name of the guy who co-authored right. that one with him. Who discovered Johnny Hart at like eighteen or whatever and started Wizard of Id? A really funny tie into our Jim Henson show is Jim Henson, which we probably mentioned in the show, did that uh, Wizard of Id uh, pilot for a oh, TV show. Sure, yeah. so you can find it on YouTube where he's got all the Wizard of Id characters with Jim Henson voices and wow. Jim Henson Muppets that look just like the Wizard of Id characters talking mm. about the peasants' uprising and they want the right to bear arms. Well. Let them bear arms. We'll rip their shirt sleeves right off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All this horrible, punny, you know, muppety stuff. Oh, sure. But the the pilot didn't go anywhere, and they never made anything out of it. But no. I always liked the king of Id, and they were making fun of the Wizard of Oz. You know, that was part of the the joke mm-hmm. was the Wizard of Id. Oh, yeah. I got, but, a, I got a kick out of some of those. Man, I, I even read, like, Kathy, and Garfield's not going to show up on any of our lists, but, you know... I enjoyed that as a kid, you know. Well, one of the yeah. things... Not going to lie. You know, I have to say, when I was a kid, you know, the big premiere comic was Peanuts. Yeah. And, you know, of course, you, you, you 
it's kind of a tradition. You always watch uh, Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown, and, yeah, and Halloween, Great Pumpkin, Great Pumpkin, yeah. and so forth. I I never really watched all the other ones that came after it. I think there was even one where. It was like a Memorial Day one where Charlie Brown and Linus were having flashbacks to the D-Day invasion. Well, Bill Melendez, right. the Melendez well, brothers, and they made so many of those specials. And they made they made the um, they did do um, American history ones. So yeah. they did these little uh, spots that were probably Arbor Day and everything. You know, right. in between they they explained the holiday and where it came from, right. and did American history and and you know the the British invasion, all that stuff. It was really kind of cool. Miles Standish. I mean, I, you hear Linus talking about Miles Standish, and it's just kind of weird. Linus was definitely the intellectual <laughs> in the group. And, but but well, the thing was is that I, I kind of outgrew Peanuts pretty early on just because there was – and I think this was true of Charles M. Schultz as a person, too. There was always a very depressing undertone mm-hmm. to that. I never you outgrew know? that. I will always uh, hold that dear. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 the depressing I, undertones and all. Well, yeah. um, Shall- although, although I got to point out, did you see the Robot Chicken uh, episode of The Great Pumpkin? Charlie Brown, where they have Linus doing a pentagram to bring the Great Pumpkin for good, and the Great Pumpkin comes and attacks the entire Peanuts wow. gang. Obviously, well, pretty good. I'm not sorting through my papers well enough <laughs> before I bring them to the podcast. <laughs> Last Will and Testament. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you want to read that aloud on the air? Here? Sure. Uh, <laughs> like last um, so my, my personal effects, including automobiles, boats, sporting goods, jewelry, furniture, furnishings, china, glassware. This is all standard legalese. I don't have sporting equipment or a boat. <laughs> you know, we're going to find your fishing rods. <laughs> yeah. I think I have, there's a couple of those stuck up in the rafters somewhere. All right. Who's got a number five? Who wants to start? Should we go around Robin and just talk about sure. our number five? I'll all right. kick off. Go. Okay. Life in Hell. Okay. okay. I'm going to start off with <laughs> yeah. Matt, Matt Granig. So uh, I got into this probably because of the Isthmus, mm-hmm. because I know it was carried in the Isthmus, and I, I loved it. And That's right. It wasn't until much later, because um, before Matt Granig got involved with The Simpsons back in about 1977, he moved to right. L.A., mm-hmm. and he started sending these postcards to his friends about how much he hated life and how it was horrible uh-huh. out in L.A., and then people started liking it, and he got picked up fairly quickly um for him because he he created these characters and they were bunnies one of them was a kid with one ear and then there were I like the one year oh, one the, it was Bongo and Binky and then Binky's mm-hmm. girlfriend and then there was Akbar and Jeff the proclaimed gay fez wearing couple um uh-huh. who weren't really a couple but they were a couple and right I loved everything that came out of life in hell and I have the compilation books of like love is oh, hell wow. work in hell uh, work is hell love is hell there's all these all these different books, and yeah, it's I, a good one. I really love them. Um, and he got selected by the Tracy Ullman show. He was approached to do bumpers to to take his life life in hell characters and make them bumpers for Tracy Ullman. And he didn't want to lose intellectual property by taking Binky and Bongo and those guys and putting them in Tracy Ullman into their domain. So he decided to create all new characters to do these bumpers, and that's how he created The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Then uh... The Simpsons became really popular and i remember watching the simpsons or watching tracy allman show and seeing the simpsons bumpers they were really crude and terrible but hilarious and and i really liked him and i look back on those like i look back at old charles schultz drawings and those are classic simpsons where the voices were different and bad and and rough and even though he was doing that even though he was you know pulled into simpsons pretty much immediately he still kept on life in hell and it was running i guess until like 2012 so wow. it and and we lost it at the local paper. The thing about it is, 
I'll, we'll talk about a lot of these artists and their syndication levels. Most of them hit like, you know, 1,200 or 4,000 papers and they get syndicated across all these papers. Right. At most, it was in 300 papers at any given time. So it never had real wide distribution. No. no. And when I bought my first comp book, I think I bought Love is Hell. Um, I had never read in the Isthmus or anywhere because it was in the 90s that I got it, 91 or something. And I didn't know where it was from, but I just devoured it and loved how some of the panels were multi-panel flowcharts of like this leads to that or, or all the different types of rage or all the different types of frustration and stress and all these different comics. Or I remember the one where uh, the dad is looking, the shadow of the dad is looking down at the one-eared bunny and <laughs> there's just a mess everywhere. And the one-eared bunny saying, mistakes were made. <laughs> but he wants to have something going on like that. But anyway, I loved it, and I i don't know. That would be my number five. Most influential. It was really cynical, really dark in yes. some ways. Yes, it was. And I guess that's why I related to it. It was kind of fun, too. <laughs> Go ahead, Tor. Uh, well, my number five, and, and I should preface this with... Uh, I, I'm not a huge comic strip reader. I read them every now and then, so I kind of... Oh, I haven't read one in years myself. Yeah, I, mean, you know. I, I kind of go into a comic strip uh, one-offs every here and there, so I definitely need comic strips that, that work for someone with the low attention span. Sure. And, and and so I'm not really into these that have huge, long story arcs. Um, But for my number five, I'm going to pick one that I uh, probably read a lot in the 1980s, and that was uh, Kelvin and Hobbes. Oh, and, good choice. Very would, good choice. Uh, let's see. That was Gary Watterson, right? Bill Watterson. Bill Watterson. Yeah. Okay. The third. The yes. Third. Second. <laughs> and uh, and I have a few, couple Kelvin and Hobbes books, and uh, that was just entertaining to see Kelvin just be the, the crazy kid that just sort of embraced life, and yeah. and uh, it was in his own little world. and it, uh, it could be very funny, but it could be yeah. very moving, too, in, in many ways. I, yeah. I really enjoyed that. That was a good strip. That's a good choice. Yeah. yeah, that's my number one strip, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely, my number one. Um, yeah. I, I did just go see. So the we're movie. gonna hear more about that. Yeah, we can hear more about it later. Sure. But yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yep. Absolutely love it. Love it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, well, I guess my but, number five would have to be The Far Side by Gary Larson. Oh, that is a good one. That's you, up there yeah. for me. You know, um, so I mean, he only published from 80 to 95, but you can still <laughs> buy those those greeting cards, and I still. Mm-hmm. Buy those for like a lot of people for birthdays and what and whatever. Uh-huh. And I just I love the whole concept of a one panel joke, mm-hmm. you know. And and he was uh-huh. great at that. A, a, a similar strip to that, though it has changed, and I don't think for the better, was non sequitur. Non sequitur was one of my favorites. That's an honorable mention for me. That's Wiley, mm-hmm. uh, Wiley Miller. Well, it's a pseudonym, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was a one panel, really funny, but really yeah. well drawn. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. Comic, but then it yeah. it morphed into all these different things that you, sometimes I couldn't tell what was going on from time to time. And... But that was good because it again it tells you right at the beginning it's a non sequitur, mm-hmm. and it would yeah. just be fun to kind of sit there and try to pick it apart. And with the far side, it was you know always largely animals that he had in there. You know, and like yeah. they, like they have one where this air this jet airliner is crashing and this poodle is. Is at the controls, and it said, and, and it was at this moment that Fifi sees the controls. <laughs> you know, and things like that. Where I would just be laughing. I like, I yeah. like the jetliner crash one where the the pilots on the intercom. He's like, "Oh my god, we're all gonna die. We've got no more fuel. We're all gonna die." Oh wait, oh wait, never mind. That's the intercom button. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, uh, one of my favorites is I'm pretty sure it's a Far Side, but it shows a, a little kid 
pushing oh, at yeah. a door that says pull. School, oh, school, school for the gifted. Midvale School for the gifted. School for the gifted. And boy, I tell you, it was not like this was like uh, yesterday. Um, no, I think it was two days ago. Mm-hmm. I'm coming into work and I, I absolutely had a brain fart. We have this door. There's big letters on it and it says pull. And what do I do? I push. <laughs> and it's like, oh, oops, no. <laughs> like, okay, we're sticking to the easy task today. Oh, yeah. Maybe just kind of straighten up my desk. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no, there, that happens to all of us. But what's yeah. always amazing to me is um, I'm sure you've probably had that. You know, Speaking of that experience where you've been in a bathroom stall with the doors clearly locked. And yeah. people still try to yeah. come in. Even, yeah, yeah. Oh, it must be just jammed. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, I'm in here binging one off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you tell I'm in here? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's this guy that that at at where I work, who like never locks or shuts the stall door when he's in there. Taking Does he a put dump. his foot under oh, the stall like man. to no, try no, to lure no, you no. into something? But but then you, is he a senator? You, you invariably walk in on him, <laughs> and he's he's on his phone. He's oh, like God. looking at his phone, and I'm thinking. <sighs> I mean, sometimes I just want to, like, piss all over him and just pretend like he's not there and just say, oh, well, if the door isn't really a barrier, then I'll just pee right away, you know, but Wasn't it the IT crowd uh, TV show that – wasn't there, like, one yeah. character is, like, always in the can just – yeah. Having issues. Well, it's because of Moss that I don't uh, bring my phone and use it at the toilet because he he had his phone slip out of his pocket into the toilet <laughs> and he bent over. I see that happen again. You're in the bathroom and some guy's like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> oh god. They're, they're going to have one more episode of uh, IT Crowd. So they're, I heard oh. they're going to do like a 40 minute episode to wrap everything up. Which I you know that'd about do it. It's sad for me. I love that show. I'd watch. I I'd watch years and years of that show. Yeah. That are we back to one. me? Are we down at number four already? Back to you. All right. Number four. I'm gonna throw down Bloom County. That was my number. That's four your number two. four too. All right. Let's okay. talk about Bloom County. So that was uh, by Berkeley Breathed. Yes. Uh, Guy Berkeley Breathed. He goes by Berkeley. Um, he started it in 1980. He ended it in 1989, uh, and then he switched it into Outland. Uh, and then did other things. Outland the... was okay, but but Bloom County was my favorite. Yeah. And and you know, to me, the the eighties, the Reagan Bush years. Yeah. you needed Bloom County. Well, yeah, and I got to tell you, Gary Trudeau used to. He wrote him letters saying, "Stop copying my work." <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and and uh, Berkeley was like, "Yeah, I was really a Doonesbury ripoff." But, you know, that's how he got his wings and figured out what he wanted to do and then had to, like, you know, take it in different directions. But Opus really took off as the Penguin character because that one – I remember that comic, too, where he's approached by the Harry Krishna. And the Harry Krishna's are up to him and he's like, Harry Fish Nuts? And and that just, (laughs) boom, all of a sudden everybody loved Opus. But Opus was a great character, although I have to say my absolute favorite was uh, Bill the Cat. right. And, no, and Death Tongue, their, and Death their, Tongue. their metal group. I was going to say, I have the collection called Billy and the Boingers because... <laughs> I think I have that one. There's, <laughs> there's, already a, there's already a band named Death Tongue out there or something. So oh, they, that's... No, really? <laughs> they had to change their name to Billy and the Boingers, Better right? be a tribute band. And so it came with the music. It came with a rock disc, and you might hear some of that music on this very episode. Uh-huh. But it had the, the two songs, Side A and Side B, mm-hmm. Um Oh, very cool. And 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 yeah, I, I it's still in my book. But yeah, Billy and the Boingers was one of the collections that I loved. Um, 
So Milo Bloom was the kid that I always liked, but I don't know, Steve Dallas. You always were wondering what <laughs> Steve Dallas was up to. Well, Steve Dallas could be okay simply because um, – and, and uh, Cutter John also because oh, one, yeah. one of the things I, I loved about Bloom County is 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 that they they could take very complex historical or political events and, and you could really see the humor in them. And they did a lot of Star Trek stuff. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. In, in the strip, which I really, really I enjoyed. I, I always remember this one where – they they were going to open up a, a a nuclear power plant in in Bloom County, and they they had like all the you know like Opus and all the the whole group there f- trying to figure out what to do, and they said, "All right, a show of hands, who's all for putting Mrs. Pinkley's zesty banana pudding into the cooling silo, <laughs> or something like that, filling the cooling silo?" Yeah. And I don't know, I. Bloom County is is always going to be one of my favorites, and it was like a Muppet troop. It was like a bunch of Muppets yeah. doing crazy stuff and not I don't, behaving. I don't really think he was a Doonesbury ripoff. No, though. no, I no. Really, really. I think in well. the beginning he was, and and even he does. Uh, he showed a panel of Doonesbury and a panel of his own, right, just to show how much he was ripping off of <laughs> Doonesbury. Well, yeah, in the beginning, but uh, yeah, he got his legs and figured out how to incorporate the he animal did. characters, and he did very much. He was very political, and, and he would say in interviews that you know when you're political you're not funny and if you're if you're talking about politics and you're you're not funny then you're just whining and right. so it, it, it at a point it's got really political but it wasn't really whiny the tone of it was no. much smarter than that so there were some that were just flat out fun strips too where it wasn't necessarily political or social or his anything. political controversy was the one where he had one of steve's girlfriend's dress up as a Muslim or become a Muslim because she had gone through all these other iterations of things right. and, and she'd all of a sudden become a radical Islamist or whatever, right. which upset the Muslim community and no one was murdered in the streets over it at that time. Yeah. But uh, they, they didn't even, that one didn't run um, in one of the, I, I don't know, Washington Post or something. But anyway, they didn't even feature that one. But he did win, um, didn't he win a, um, a Pulitzer? Or for, yes, he did. Yes, he did. So, I mean, I wouldn't have expected it. <laughs> I don't think. No, I'm I don't sure think he was ever invited back. <laughs> and um, if you've seen him in interviews or seen him talk about other cartoonists, mm-hmm. this guy is kind of wild, and he's oh, a yeah. very funny talker. He is a very yeah. He's he's one of the few because you know a lot of cartoonists you, you're not sure you'd really want to meet him. It's kind of right. like radio personalities or or podcast podcast. You, yeah. you might not want to meet <laughs> podcast. Kind of probably a big disappointment. You don't yeah. want to. You don't yeah. want to deal with that. <laughs> I don't want to go there. Yeah. But another thing I'd point out about about cartoonists is that a lot of them aspired to be cartoonists for a long period of time. And people like Gary Larson and Berkeley Brethren, they didn't all of a sudden just draw a strip and send it in and become rich. Oh, no, no. And usually you make less being a cartoonist who gets mild syndication and gets in a few papers. Uh, you make less doing that than you would working at your local hardware store. So right. a lot of them kept jobs and and sent in things constantly while they worked other jobs. And they were constantly going to United Syndicate, the United Artists Syndicate, all these other syndicates to get into the papers. And then if all of a sudden they were a hit, they could get bigger syndication and bigger syndication and then all of a sudden be making millions of dollars. But it wasn't a game that you were going to get into and make millions of dollars. And it was those few people it's just like right. someone trying to play basketball. You're either going to be brilliant at it and make millions of dollars at it, or very, very lucky. Yeah, and make you're, millions. you're either one of the five, right, or or you're 
you know, you you maybe played in high school or college, and exactly. that's right. about it. Yeah. So a lot of these guys cut their teeth for years before they had any success, which actually makes them better observers of the universe of you know what they're making fun of or what they're satirizing or what they're what they're focusing on and we'll get we can get more to that later but oh, absolutely. yeah bloom county that's my i love the way four. the strip ended too is like you know trump buys out the strip and then fires all the characters and, mean, does, <laughs> and trump trump even gets killed by a yes i think he gets killed by his own anchor falling on his head and then from, from his yacht and then they have to <laughs> implant build a cat with trump's head I mean, he was always making fun of donald trump well you know <laughs> not yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's such Still, an easy target. Yeah, some things are easy. Yeah, but yeah, I loved, I loved Bill the Cat, Billy and the Boingers, and uh, yeah, he ended it with uh, everyone leaving except Opus, and then Outland started with just Opus, and then slowly everyone was pulled back into it, and then right, he ended up you know killing uh, Outland, because right. honestly, you got to think of it. There's only so much you can draw on a right. deadline where you have to create and create and create well, week after week, day after day. Exactly. That it's going to get old and boring. And if you get the rhythm of it, then even that after 10, 12 years, you might want to change. True. So I, I can totally understand this guy saying, I got millions of dollars and maybe I should just go water ski. And that's the other thing. He's been in so many accidents, like breaking his legs on these crazy water skiing boating accidents and in a yeah. he once crashed an ultralight and broke his back i mean yeah Ooh. this guy is playing with his toys and i aspire to be a man like him <laughs> i want to break my back in an ultralight crash that would be good i actually actually just crashing in an ultralight yeah. is is i want too much sunshine on my shoulder you could just break that break that shit up forever I, I, I remember that onion article like john denver crashes his ultralight Cause of death, too much sunshine on his shoulder. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Tor, what's your so number four? I'm number four. My number four is Real Life Adventures by uh, oh, sure. Lance Aldrich and Gary Weiss. Now, this is it's a simple single pane comic strip. Uh, I think weekends you might get some more pains, mm-hmm. but uh, it, it's just you know, like everyday things, husband and wife stuff. Yeah. And, and, and the reason it's my number four is because my wife reads the newspaper and, and sure enough, like every week or so, she's like, Oh, they're watching us again. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like, it's a, you know, are the cartoonists outside our window? Oh yeah. Absolutely. They, they really hit, you know, kind of the everyday life of Tor and his wife. <laughs> no, so, that's a good one. I think yeah. real life adventures is a, is a good one to throw in. Yeah. So it, it's just, you know, been a, it's the one cartoon that's just popped up in my life every few weeks. So, um, yeah, that's about all I have to say about that one. That, okay. that one though. Well, um, my number three, I get, or wait, we're at three. Yep. We're at three is get fuzzy. I like Get Fuzzy a lot. I, I like Get Fuzzy for, for a lot of different reasons. I mean, it's, it's like Steve Dallas with cat and dog. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's just goofy, mm-hmm. you know? And it's by uh, Darby Connolly, and, uh, or I should say just Connolly, but uh, it's it's just a, f- I, I mean, I get the biggest kick out of, you know, Satchel Pooch. Mm-hmm. And what's amazing to me, though, is how much controversy this strip has generated over. Really? Over the years, yeah, especially from Pittsburgh. <laughs> I, I guess they're a bit sensitive in Pittsburgh, and why yeah. I don't know. Don't I mean, it's like kind of like me it. from Philadelphia. Yeah. It's like really, hey, you talking to me? Yeah, I was like, say hello to your mother for me. Yeah, <laughs> hey, you're a donkey. <laughs> How's that working out? <laughs> so, 
Apparently, uh, quite a few residents of Pittsburgh reacted very angrily to an, uh, an October 30th, 2003 strip when Bucky observed that a large number of tourist packages were based on landmarks or other features, asked a travel agent for suggested destinations based primarily on smell. The agent produces a brochure from the Pittsburgh Board of Tourism. They <laughs> got all fucking bent out of shape about that. Do you remember the comic, uh, The Pit? Oh, yeah. I wonder if they liked that. Oh, yeah. You know, we, we turned Pittsburgh into a nuclear attack zone. <laughs> yeah, you know, oh, the pit. So then, in, you know, his his reaction, Connolly's reaction to, to these uh, criticisms and these letters where he, he wrote even worse strips. <laughs> Did he pile on? <laughs> he piled yes. on. Oh, I yeah. have a bully yeah. pulpit. Watch how this works. <laughs> I would totally yep. pile on. Oh, yeah. Uh, you gotta. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen John Stewart do that every now on the Daily Show, where like someone complains about something, and then he just, I didn't say that you were blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah I love y- it. Any, anything comedic like that, <laughs> I, I, if you're going to whine about it, you're going to get piled on. I mean, it's just oh, like yeah. gonna, it's because you, you should be. <laughs> you're a whiner. It yeah. was just a joke. Oh yeah, yeah. The, if the toughest thing in your life is is a cat makes fun, yeah, your, the smell of your fucking city in a line drawing in a newspaper. And yeah. I've been to Pittsburgh, and that town does smell. <laughs> Come on, the Do, whole East Coast has got a weird tang to it. Does Pittsburgh have paper mills? Who the hell knows? I mean, there's just hey, smoke pouring in the air. God knows what it's from. I, I haven't been to Pittsburgh, but you know, I used to uh, live up in uh, Wisconsin Rapids. Oh yeah, by the paper and, mills. And, uh, oh, yeah. there's quite a smell in those paper mills. Yeah, yeah those paper mills. They can really. Yeah, it's not but so much course, the paper that gets you; it's the glue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, but the locals will say, "Yep, smells like money." There's <laughs> a lot of good jobs. And uh, then he also made fun of a local sportscaster named Bob Lobel and, and, and insinuated, well, more than insinuated, said, is he drunk? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I was not drunk. <laughs> you, you know, I don't think there's any requirement that that sportscasters have to be sober. I mean, really? No. I mean, I don't. I, I think it's better if you're not. By the way, yeah. I just listened to some PBS broadcaster get get fired. It was her last day on PBS uh, radio. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm getting it wrong because obviously we're drinking. But uh, she was she was like, oh, so on her last broadcast, she was like, so I'm just having fun. We're going to play some music now and it's going to be great. <laughs> My last day. <laughs> And then they kind of pulled the plug on her, and I was like, hey, she was doing all right. <laughs> she was having fun. You're doing great. You're doing great. Yeah. Just, just keep having fun. Rich and Talk says, Paul, you sound drunk. I'm not drunk. I've had a couple of drinks. I'm not drunk. <laughs> so I've been drinking. <laughs> I was like, you should get into podcasting. They also, yeah. in, in 2011, the newspaper, The Tennessean, uh, censored a strip and a rerun was substituted. And this was because Bucky's mail order purchase on Rob's credit card of a disguise with which to infiltrate the lair of his enemies, the ferrets. The disguise turns out to be a poor quality damaged raccoon suit, which disgusts Bucky, but is then donned by Satchel, who then begins to speak in a manner suggestive of African-American vernacular English, which could conceivably be deemed offensive since the term coon is frankly pathetic. <laughs> you might not have thought that one through all the way. Might not have thought that one through, but the Tennessean, really, were you not a member of the CSA? So, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that really irritates the piss out of you, doesn't it? <laughs> nice. I mean, I'm sorry. If you were, yeah. If your state was a member of the Confederacy at one point, <laughs> Don't try and even, <laughs> you know, j- just don't. 
I mean, don't don't yeah. try to pretend like you're so goddamn sensitive and modern now. It's like, oh, the new Atlanta. Oh, kiss my ass. <laughs> the new South. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if Georgia maybe took the uh, the Confederate flag off of their state flag, oh. you, you know, may, maybe yeah. we could start considering them as somewhat serious. But <laughs> not <laughs> really. Our history. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, I should look back at our heritage. Here come the letters <laughs> from the South. Yeah. Yeah. We know yeah. there's smart people down there. That's why you're listening to us. We just so. haven't met any. We just right, yeah. we don't we don't get out to say hi to you. So we make fun of you. <laughs> we mock you without yeah. meeting you. Yeah. We're painting with a wide yeah. brush. <laughs> but Wisconsin has its problems with racism. No. For some reason I've we heard got, that. For some reason we got the bad habit of like imprisoning uh, black people much more than any other state. Well, Milwaukee's the we, the worst yeah. segregated city in the United States. Yeah. Segregation yeah. No is doubt. the worst yeah. no in doubt. Milwaukee of yeah. all cities. And they're well, other cops are notorious for, you know, catch criminal means round up black guys. Yeah, round up the usual thing. black suspects. <laughs> yeah, no yeah. doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Happen. Oh, yeah. No, no, uh, that's. I mean, I mean and so, I'm, I'm being totally facetious, by the way, because, yeah, Wisconsin has huge. We're 96% white. Yeah. Did you see that the. the or what is it 90? Or is it even more? What is the Southern. What? Southern Poverty Law Center? What is that called? Southern Poverty Law Center. I, I yeah. think I got it right. They have a they have an interactive map where you can yes. zoom in yeah. on what racism or what club. And, oh yeah, yeah. I looked at Wisconsin. I found a few right in the Milwaukee area. Janesville yeah. was highlighted. Your neo Confederates, <laughs> yeah. your yeah. Klan, yeah. your neo Nazis, your, your oath your black keepers, separatists, your black separatists. Yeah. Oh, my personal favorite, yeah. the new Black Panther Party. Yes. Oh, yeah, has nothing in common except they're black <laughs> representing. <laughs> yeah, so Wisconsin had a few uh, weird. Uh, hate groups on the map. So yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't dig too deeply. I was on my phone. But it worked on my phone as well. So that's good cool. job, Southern Poverty Law. Oh, Center. yeah. I'm sure they do a yeah. much better job than the FBI <laughs> than the does of government. tracking. Yeah, which is tracking <laughs> them, I think. Well, if you just understand, Victor and Tor, that if we don't <laughs> reduce the government... Well, we can just consider it the boiling part of the melting pot. Yes. I'm going to go you get know, another yeah. beer in my scooter chair, which I got on Medicaid. <laughs> All right, kids, we're at number three. Go. Number three. It's you. Go Gary ahead. Larson's The Far Side. We already talked oh, about yeah. it, but it's higher up on my list. So <laughs> I got to say that that was like a game changer for me. That was one where it yeah. nerded me out. Yeah. And there were there were just – I was into science by the time I was reading it. And, and there were jokes in there that were for me, you know, and I – I just loved it. I loved the one with the giant snake with the big bulge in his belly laying next to the bowl that read Garfield. You know, oh. yeah, that was a really <laughs> that good. Was good. That um, was good. You know, I heard Gary Larson give an interview in like 86 where he talked about like the Holsteins go to the Grand Canyon and it had the picture of a bunch of cows standing in front of the Grand right. Canyon. <laughs> and he said, you know, that that was cool. But that wasn't the joke. The joke was, yeah. you see how the little boy is giving the little girl a hoof behind her ears. Oh. You just thought it was a bow. <laughs> yeah. Like you a little girl's bow. bow but he hair. was, yeah, he was doing the two He's fingers. Yeah. The ears. Well, that was awesome. <laughs> so yeah. there's all these little hidden things. And he mentioned in this yeah. interview how like um, the the parents come home and the the witch is running out of the house. And the parents were saying... We asked you to watch our kids, and you ate them both. <laughs> you know, and the joke for Gary Larson was not, you know, like one kid would have been okay, but yeah. she ate both of them. So, yeah. You know? uh-huh. so his jokes were always just a bit over the nerdy edge, which I really liked. And the one panel thing was great. And 
You know, I think my favorite was the uh, "Welcome to Heaven, Here's Your Harp." Welcome to Hell, Here's Your Accordion. <laughs> <laughs> that was... I still say that to this day. Welcome to Hell, Here's yeah. Your Accordion. You know, if I'm in a bad situation, Welcome think, to Hell, Here's I, Your Accordion. I think that is the one single thing I have in common with my father-in-law is that we both like the far side. So oh, yeah, it builds bridges yeah. where generally none exist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I can I can pick up random, and I do have a lot of the collections of the Far Side too, and I just they're know, a lot of fun. Love them, love yeah. them. And you know, Gary Larson's been very st- a strong critic of his work because his work started before the internet was a thing, and uh, when the internet showed up, he was upset about it because all of a sudden things he had drawn were on the internet, and people could just watch them for free, and that whole libraries of Far Side on the internet in the nineties. And he wrote the head of this one website and said, please take down my art because I'm losing money if you just show my art for free. And the guy posted the letter by Gary Larson and then took down all of his art to be nice, you know. Wow. And and mm-hmm. you can still find random ones online, but they're very uh, strong oh, yeah. copyright searchers to find that art because they don't get any money out of it. That's right. Yeah. It's, just, it's really interesting. He got married in, I think, 87 or so to a woman who is like his – lawyer she does all the work for him to figure out how to monetize yeah. or merchandise That's mildly good, good so, so they're still married right i think so yeah because yeah, you're not going to get divorced if your wife is a lawyer right i mean no, it, there'd be no. no point but she's I mean, the shark i guess that enforces yeah. some of the copyright and it, it, it's hard for me because some of me and some of modern artists like xkcd you know you just give away the art you know here it is here's the art and then it's ad-based revenue it's a different system now and the model's completely different I love yeah. Cyanide and Happiness. I love XKCD. But what we're talking about is like the Sunday Funnies. And what was going on with the Sunday Funnies was over the years in the 90s and 2000s, they kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And ads kept getting included and included. And they kept trying to fit more and more and then shrink down your, your cartoon so that they couldn't even be seen. Right? Yeah. You yeah. Know? And they were all fighting for page space. And uh, he just saw it as a threat in a way that he was going to lose, and he used merchandising as a way to you know, get his brand out he, there more. Uh, the far side is huge when it comes to greeting cards. Right, right. I mean, well, well yeah, that's what I was saying is I, yeah. I still I, – that's my go-to. You know, sure, yeah. shit isn't like shoebox or yeah. anything. You and the know. calendar. Right, I had, yeah. Every year for me, for years, it was a calendar of the oh, far side. And absolutely. I even yeah, had the 365 yeah. flip calendars because I loved it. You know, you get one a day, not just one every – you know, twelve. You know, that used weeks. to be mine, but now I I have the uh, complete year of Miss Rigid Tool. Oh, okay, Miss Rigid Tool. All right, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> that's Rigid. a good one. Oh, but yeah, that's... I was asked to take it down to my <laughs> office, you, and I was you... like, "Hey, you know what? <laughs> Fuck I'm, you! It's... I'm Mister Rigid Tool here. <laughs> yeah. Hey, <Mr>. <laughs> don't make me show you. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, I gotta say, merchandising is a big deal in comics because, like, you know, we talk a little bit more about peanuts. I think coming up, but like. Garfield, Jim Davis, merchandise the living hell of, out of Garfield. Yeah. Every goddamn thing on the planet became a Garfield goddamn thing on the planet. And that ruins your comic. It I never liked Garfield. I never liked fucking Dilbert. I love or lasagna. Ziggy. I don't fucking like Ziggy either. I love lasagna. <laughs> I don't like Mondays. You know what I mean? Like, I can agree with Garfield on a couple things. Well, okay, but I mean, jeez. I know, Louise. I know, I know. And yeah, Ziggy was my grandma's cartoon, and, and Garfield was just, it was fairly lame. And then when they introduced, it was like, it almost did a jump the shark thing where, where cuter cats were introduced. I don't even remember what kittens were introduced or something late on in yeah. Garfield and it was like are you kidding me they did that with completely <laughs> like tame and out of ideas and 
They did that with the Brady Bunch and the Partridge yeah. family. These too. are these are ideas that just <laughs> they just run for the money as long as they possibly can. And you gotta admire someone like Berkeley Breathed yeah. who says, Look, I'm not gonna run like Jim Davis and just yeah. and just merchandise the living hell out of my art and I'm not gonna like tame it down to the stupidest, tamest gotta hate Mondays every goddamn Monday done is done. jokes. I'm done and I'm gonna quit. I'm gonna move on. Quit while you're on the top like Seinfeld. You know, don't don't just putz around like a Jim Davis. But anyway, yeah. merchandising yeah. killed him and Gary Larson tried not to over merchandise his works, but he did do the calendars, do the flip calendars, and do the t shirts and some of that stuff. Yeah. Get it out there a little bit. But that's, yeah, that was mm. fine because there was a reason for that. Right, right. Well, my number three is This Modern World by Tom Tomorrow. God, I hate that one. That's actually my number one. No, nah, I'm that's just your kidding. Number one. I like yeah. it. <laughs> but no, go ahead. Please go ahead. It does, it does not matter. I'm sure Sputnik will uh, add a lot more when he gets number one. But, uh, it started in 1988, and uh, it's very political. It repeatedly points out the hypocrisy of the right wing. Oh, yeah. And it has this very sort of 1950s clip art kind clip of, art look, kind to of look to it. In fact, he used old clip art in the early comics. It's just something I hit every now and then, and, and, and I read, and it's... Uh, and he just tends to nail a particular issue on each strip. Oh, I think so too. Yeah. He's he's every week in our weekly free newspaper, the Isthmus, and mm-hmm. I, I look forward to that each and every week. I I just think yeah. that's probably a, a better and truer commentary than than most of what I see on the twenty four seven coverage. Yeah, it, you can. There's a lot of political shows out there. You know, you can listen on the radio or podcasts or um, you know MSNBC or whatever. This modern world will will hit. <laughs> The key points that you're getting from these commentators that, you know, he'll do it in in three panes and the commentators will, you know, well, they'll have to stretch it out to three hours or whatever their show is. Right. And uh, well, you could see I I would like the multi-panel ones he would do talking about the right wing talking points. and He would work through the talking points, pointing out the flaws in them and then, you know, get to the end that, oh, well, never mind. We just need to say this, you know. Yeah. And and he's really, you know, almost a, a counter to Fox News. In a way, yeah. Which really is the propaganda arm of the... uh, So who is Tom Tomorrow? Like, who is the guy who is behind this modern world? Dan Perkins is his real name. Where does he live? What is he... Well, he's... um... Did he go to political school? No. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, I think some... And again... How did he get to be such a lefty? (laughs) A penguin is is the central character of... Yes, a penguin with, like, some kind of visor on. Sparky the penguin. Yeah, with... uh, He looks like... uh, the guy from Reading Rainbow. So, so yeah. <laughs> some some of the, the the things that recurring themes that he has are like the action McNews, where mm-hmm. he just you know really just highlights like CNN or Fox News or something, and it's just hilarious. And then he also does like Parallel Earth or Planet Glocks, where you know everything is kind of in reverse, but not really. And one of my favorites is Invisible Hand of the Free Market Man. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, you yeah. know that one. He's just awesome. <laughs> And uh, conservative Jones and Moonbad Big Blackie, <laughs> you know, where it's like there's this cons- this little kid who's like a conservative Sherlock Holmes, and Moonbat is the guy who's saying like, "What? I don't know how you." So he's like he's like the anti Sherlock Holmes, and that everything he says is just like some tea bag nonsense, mm-hmm. you know. And oh. yeah, it's 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 a very good strip. If you if you're not 
uh, aware of it, just Google it, and you can get probably a lot of the strips on Salon.com or yeah, his he, own site. Or... He, he he does have, uh, I know, at least one book, because I have one book, and there's mm-hmm. probably more. And, uh, and of course, it is syndicated on usually alternative kind of lefty type lefty news, newspapers like our, like our Isthmus that we have. And Coulter really used to just get enraged at 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 tom tomorrow and i well, used, he gets mad about everything you know and, yeah and but <laughs> if she wouldn't say such things that are so freakishly outrageous yeah i mean if she was normal yeah maybe he would pick if on someone else she was normal yeah, yeah. In, in the parallel <laughs> earth maybe there's probably been yeah. a strip like that but yeah one, one of his recurring characters uh newer ones that i really enjoy is droney you know the the drone mm-hmm. attack craft, and he's always yeah. just like hovering outside the window, always telling kids, "Hey, kids, it's it's good to have me watching over you." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You already got to your uh, what are we at number twos now? Or are you? That, I'm, that's uh, my three. Are we all done with three? three? Or do you I, have? A I can three? do my number two, and I think we are. I, mean, I got I my feel, number two. I feel we covered number one, this modern world, pretty well. So um, I'm just going to go with my number two, Doonesbury. Okay. Uh, Doonesbury was one of those that uh, I read. I started to read in high school, and I got a lot of the collected books and everything. And I think one of my favorite characters in there was always kind of like Zonker Harris, and you'd always have like the Walden Puddle and everything. And But then there was also... Uncle Duke, who was, you know, clearly Hunter S. Thompson. Right. And how we'd always have mm-hmm. these ongoing battles with John Denver, who was like never seen, but <laughs> right. always just a voice, you know. And it, and Doonesbury is, is one of those strips that, that, you know, he went away for a while and kind of retooled and then he brought the characters back in, in a more modern context. A lot of those strips were, I, I really, I mean, so he's he's gone from, you know, he started at Yale doing, you know, beginning the strip in the 60s. And well, he was like two years behind on. George W. Bush. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, he carried on through the 70s, 80s, like I say, retooled and that brought the characters back in a more, you know, contemporary form. And there was one of them that, that always made... You could do a whole podcast on the controversies right. that Doonesbury has created, and you know my feeling is fuck them. Well, I would say a, a lot of these artists, like we could do whole shows on these individual artists, but you know most of them are really well known. They're really really well read, and they're cartoonists. And they they as cartoonists generally don't like to live in the spotlight. That's why they're cartoonists. Right. They don't go into this job thinking, oh, I want to be talking to fans all the time, and right. you know all these interviews. Yeah. They want to do it because it's a solitary art that they're interested in focusing mm-hmm. on. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, like, you know, BD came back from Iraq and he'd like lost a limb and everything. So, I mean, you know, he does look at the it's not just mm-hmm. like, ooh, you know, it's. Yeah. Uh, it's a, and I don't think there's anything wrong with, uh, you know, pushing controversy. Not at all. In fact, that's what makes it art. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have pretty art. It's a nice flower. OK, cool. Or you can have something that you know, makes you think. And that's maybe a little better art. Although it may not be what you want to put over your sofa. <laughs> right. Doonesbury, isn't it one of those that are so controversial that some, a lot of newspapers stick it in the opinion section? Yes, yeah. they do in the op-ed yeah, section. Nobody yeah. wants to be in the Which op-ed is, section. Is funny. They used to put yeah. Boone County in the op-ed section, and right. Berkeley was like, no, 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 no. Why yeah. do I not want Because nobody fucking reads the opinion page. Uh, yeah. like, I yeah. want to be on the funnies page. Yeah. So that is kind of that's that's a newspaper getting like overly sensitive. Oh yeah, you know, it's like mm-hmm. come on, that's what I mean. If you look at the history, that's what a lot of uh, 
you know, comic art started, it, it started out being biting and, yeah. and kind of making converse commentary. One of them that always stuck out with me was that he had a character. It was like one of the first openly gay characters in comic strips and he was dying of AIDS and he was bedridden and everything. And he had just gotten as a present, the collected works of the beach boys. And he said, Oh, put it on for me and everything. And in the last panel, he had clearly passed away. And then in the background, it was playing, you know, wouldn't it be nice? (laughs) You know, Oh, wouldn't it be nice? (laughs) You know, and it's like, Oh, "Oh, wow. Yeah. Those, I mean, I Gary, yeah. Gary Trudeau's Doonesbury is is one of my absolute favorite strips. It it continues to be very good. I think he's one of those guys that is just endured and adapted mm. and done a very good job. So, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. I always I always like to read Doonesbury when I can when I can catch it. And that's the problem is like you gotta it's serialized and you gotta almost keep up with it. Like some of the comics, like for better or for worse, and some of those started to get more serialized to try to take up the style that he was doing. And then you didn't know what was going on in them the same kind yeah. of way, you know. I stopped a long time ago trying to follow the strips and I right. just buy the collections and then right just and then it's tear just a through story. them and mm-hmm. yeah. That's why, like, yeah. I, I'm a collection guy too. That's... I always liked how Uncle Duke then became like the ambassador to China and everything, and then he had the one, the, the, his um his interpreter. Uh, he always called Honey, and that mm-hmm. was like all you knew her as. But she was oh, yeah, actually honey. like kind of like controlling everything behind the scenes, and Uncle Duke was completely clueless. And it was just kind of like our relationship with China in general. And I always loved how. George H.W. Bush was completely invisible. Mm-hmm. He was just a, a voice coming out of nowhere. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. That was a good good, so, good conceit. Yeah. Big, I, yeah, you see that in others doing that where they have the voice from outside. And it's funny strip. because, you know, the character of mm-hmm. Michael Doonesbury himself has undergone quite a few changes over the years. And and that was like one of his first strips when he, when he was in Yale University was that BD was his roommate. And he's like very conservative and a football player. He always, he always had his helmet on regardless. Mm-hmm. And then when he went to the Iraq <laughs> war, he always had his camouflage helmet on. And finally they took it off. But uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those strips that I think you can, you can just kind of go through the years and just sort of appreciate on its own level. And yeah, yeah. it's wonderful. My number two would be uh, Peanuts. Okay. Uh, we already talked about Charles Schultz a little bit, but... Um, what is this Peanuts? What is this Peanuts <laughs> of which you speak? Uh, we used to be called Little Folks. Lil Folks. Yep. Um, and I remember uh, this was one that I got into when I was a little kid because my parents had the collections. So they had oh, the sure. old, old, old collections. Yeah. Like which, the old paperbacks? Yeah. yeah. The old yeah, paperbacks. With, yeah. The, with the green um, edges on the paper. And, and, oh, and yeah, uh, Charlie yeah. Brown looked different, you know? Yeah, you did. Everybody looked a little different. You could yeah. tell the style hadn't really progressed into them. I yeah. love those because oh, that yeah. was almost raw. Yeah. It, was 19, it started in like the 50s, 1950. Yeah. Went mm-hmm. to the 2000s, January or February seventh or so of 2000 right. when he died right when he died uh, this is what he loved to do and this guy was from minneapolis and yeah. there's a lot you know if you've ever been to minneapolis there's a lot of mentions of the places the landmarks where oh, charles sure. schultz has been because yeah. he's really famous there and in the mall of america 
the whole theme park before they lost the rights to it used to be based on Snoopy. Yeah, right. So Camp was, Snoopy or Camp something. Snoopy Camp was Snoopy was really cool. Exactly. Yeah. You know, when when I was in college, that was the place to go. And oh, you yeah. know, under other various circumstances. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I know what you're saying. Uh, we ended up at <laughs> yeah. Camp Snoopy, and there were some good things there. You almost have to be in an altered state <laughs> yeah. to go to Mall of America because it's just so yeah. fucking weird. It is so. It weird. is weird. Yeah. Yes. Very weird. And I yeah, Camp Snoopy was a good idea for for Minneapolis, but. So he was named after a cartoon strip himself. So his whole life he went by the name Sparky because that's what one of his uncles called him right. based on a horse in another comic uh, strip that was popular back when he was a little kid in the mm-hmm. 1920s. Wow. Um, so that's where the name Sparky comes from. And so Charles Schultz was always slightly depressed, a little bit, yeah. you know, a little bit. Well, he was a World War II veteran. I mean, it's very possible he you know, could have been suffering from post-traumatic stress and Probably yeah. undiagnosed depression for a very long time. It was funny. When he got sent back, he got sent back right as the nuclear bomb went off in, I think, Hiroshima. Uh-huh. Um, I think it was at that explosion. He, he was sent back, and then he got – he was sent back for 30 days of R&R and uh, then got his marching papers to appear at Fort McCoy because he was going to be one of the aqua invasion units. Right. To invade Japan. Which is wow. here in Scotty Nation. Yeah, Fort, which is Fort here McCoy. in Scotty Nation, yeah. Fort McCoy. Yeah. But he never went, I don't think, um, because those that all no. got canceled because yeah. it was all a done deal. And uh, then he yeah. entered back into civilian life. And he did one of those, you know, draw the turtle and send it in correspondence right. art thing <laughs> oh, yeah. in order to get started. Snappy the turtle. Or, yeah, yeah. Oh, those Snappy are hilarious. Yeah, yeah. So, draw the pirate. Yeah, so he got involved in that, and that's how he got started. And then... Uh, Isn't there... There's a, a TV ad occasionally that plays yeah. with that, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. he got started locally yeah. and, and then syndicated in, in Minneapolis and then got slowly picked up. When it got picked up from local to a syndicate, the syndicate changed it to Peanuts. So that's how it got started as Peanuts because he wanted it to be Little Folks and there was some copyright issue with that. Oh. Yeah. And he went along with it. And the thing I'd mention is he had two dogs, Snooky and Spike. And Spike was the dog that he got when he was like 12 or whatever that was the one that inspired Snoopy, oh, yeah. which was the okay. super smart dog that mm-hmm. he sent a picture in of that dog to Ripley's Believe It or Not. Uh-huh. And that appeared – his drawing of Snoopy or of Spike appeared in Ripley's Believe It or Not little magazine. So that was like his first – Art that appeared wow. in, another, oh, very in cool. another book when he was a little That'd kid. That'd be fun to look up. You know, I, I have to confess, I used to buy the collections of yeah. those Ripley's Believe It or Not uh, <laughs> strips, too. I mean, as long as we're talking about right. com- uh, comic strips. Hey, uh, when I was a kid, I used to just snap those babies right up. And, you know, you never knew if these things were bullshit or not. But, it's know, always or not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ripley's bullshit or not. Yeah. I mean, some of them were just like... And this famous sultan was assassinated by a pair of poison shoes. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> fine. <Yeah. laughs> when I became a skeptic is when I started to look back at all my Bigfoot and Loch Ness books. Oh, yeah. And all those books I had as a kid and go, oh, God. I was reading stuff that was full of shit no, you know, <laughs> all the time. Oh, I know the UFO books, too. <laughs> yeah, UFO, Bigfoot, like, oh. Loch Ness, Ghosts. Uh, I was totally into it all. But, but uh, I loved Charles Schultz simple line drawings and how he only showed his character he didn't do depth and that was kind of right. the interesting part about his art is that 
he didn't do a lot of perspective in depth, but he could draw, you know, anything. The guy was really great at doing yes, he was. like the benches and the footballs and stuff. And, you know, he said that he'd never seen anyone like pull the football out from someone, but he thought of that idea when he was holding a football for someone else and how much he had to stop himself from pulling the football out <laughs> from someone. And then someone asked him, he's like, why don't you let Charlie Brown just kick the football, you know, in one of the last, you know, episodes of the Peanuts? He was right. like, because that would ruin the whole thing. <laughs> that would betray Charlie Brown. Yeah, oh yeah. All of a sudden to get something that's denied him just out of or, nature, you know? Sure. <laughs> yeah, or almost betray Lucy. Like, right, it's... Yeah. Right, right. It's just he had a fascinating perspective and he loved and lived for his art. And like, just to, down to the pens that he used. He used certain pens and like when he found out one of his pen companies was going bankrupt... He bought the entire stock of pens that they had <laughs> on hand. So you get this Whoa. little nib that they used. And sure, so sure. The guy's just amazing. And it's a smart thing to do. Into his stuff. And, I mean, 50 years of doing it. He took his weekends off. He always take his yeah. weekends, but then he'd be right back to the grindstone, sure. you know, doing the same thing. And every day and every day, that's got to be tough. I mean, yeah. that's that's a hell of a job trying to think of something that's going to make millions of people laugh right. or think about yeah. something. And, and, you know, he did go the merchandising route. And I think that that's why everyone knows the Peanuts and, you know, oh, like yeah. MetLife and all that was a little bit depressing but Dolly I, never Madison. Cared, I never cared about the dolly madison so much i was like whatever okay it's a yeah. candy actually yeah. it's funny you should say that because if <laughs> when they show uh merry christmas charlie brown on cable yeah and they don't have the dolly madison zinger ads in there yeah it's kind of a cheat to me Doesn't right feel you know, right yeah. it's like oh come on yeah brought to you by dolly madison zingers <laughs> it's like not that you could find one anymore but you yeah. remember in the strip there's like a bunch of different dogs that are snoopy's uh you know litter right one of them is spike so spike well, is like the dog you know named after you know the one that the, yeah he had so, a kid so uh he moved to Arizona and had to live in Arizona for a few years, and that's why Spike is from Arizona, oh, the cousin that goes oh, and visits yeah. Snoopy, you know, back at sure, his doghouse. Sure. And I think Snoopy's a time lord because if you go into his doghouse, it's bigger on the inside. Oh yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a time lord dog. Mm-hmm. I think is what it is. We just yeah. don't know all the and it's interesting details, too yeah. because I don't know that I would have probably known that. Without peanuts, that a person like Manfred von Richthofen and the Red Baron even existed. Mm-hmm. Oh, you yeah. know, without except for Snoopy and the Red Baron having all of these. Yeah, and, you know, I, mentioned... I have that book. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> the Snoopy version. <laughs> but there's these moments when you're reading the Snoopy comic where you're like, "Wow, they're really happy." Charlie Brown will say, and he'd be like, "Sometimes I wish I could be happy too." Yeah, yeah. and you're just like, "Oh God, I'm oh, with you, man." man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know that was one of the things about it was that you know like to me the character that that was the most intriguing was was Linus because he would just kind of be motionless there with his blanket but then when you know people would start to kind of dump on him about his blanket or whatever all of a sudden he'd snap back like well Merry Christmas Charlie Brown's a great example when he goes out and he goes I'll tell you what Christmas is about Charlie Brown you know and he just goes out and he like quotes the whole you know mm-hmm. it's like wow yeah yeah yeah, and, and Charles Schultz didn't usually get that into the strip. Like, that was just kind of a – because it was a Christmas episode and he was Christian. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. He I wasn't mean, a Johnny Hart about it no. <laughs> in the strip. Uh-huh. And he, he, he dealt with real things from the kid perspective. And the reason he didn't show adults generally – you know, I know in the cartoons they had like the wah-wah-wah-wah voices. Yeah, for his teacher. Right, but in the uh-huh. cartoons he slowly got rid of the adults because he could only show adults if they were in the background. Right. Because they were too tall and the frame was always so small – 
that you just get adult legs, basically. Yeah, right. And he found that too disturbing to just do. So he had a, adults in the way back or no adults. And eventually he's like, screw it, no adults. It's and just going to be the kids. That, that makes it interesting because it's, it's the world of kids. It's seen mm-hmm. by kids where the yeah, adults are kids. basically irrelevant. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, yeah. You have kind of an interesting sideline, I think, to Peanuts. Maybe it's just a Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown one, but... Uh, you know, the soundtrack is done by Vince Guaraldi, who was a very famous, you know, yeah. jazz musician. And, Love, right. Yeah. And, I mean, you can't hear even, like, two or three notes from any of those songs, and it just doesn't, you know, oh, that's Peanuts. Yeah, that's Peanuts. But it's so beautiful. Yeah. Oh, I have God, the Peanuts yeah. Christmas albums, and I, I throw so that in my I. mix with my Martini, you sure. know, collections of the 60s uh Martini Christmas stuff. I mean, I got some. Yeah, great, I think I covered this. Christmas I think music. well, we covered this on one of our uh, Christmas episodes, mm-hmm. but it, it wasn't at the uh, the network or whatever. Didn't want to have this fancy jazz stuff, and Schultz right. insisted on he it. Insisted on it. Well, and yeah. Vince Guaraldi was. You know, if you saw a picture of him from that period of time, he looked very, um, very much like I guess what you would call a beatnik. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. He had kind of the shirt, shirt crop, kind of flat top hair, these very thick horn rim glasses, and then kind of a sweatshirt and everything. <clears throat> I want to say that he also played with the dead at some yeah, point. He could have. Well, <laughs> I mean, not that that's any big deal, but that's a big deal. That'd be a big deal. Not. Yeah. I'd be love an to interesting mashup. I played with the dead. <laughs> so I got that going for me. Oh, speaking of that period of Gunga time. La Gunga. I mean, I gotta I gotta tell you the truth. It's like if I see like five minutes of Oliver Stone's The Doors, I'm gonna end up watching Oh, Ray Manzarek just died. Yeah. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah. man. It's a shame about Ray. Nobody could play yeah. Wurlitzer Oregon. Yeah. Like Ray Manzarek. Yeah. Brilliant musician. He was, Speaking he was of great brilliant musicians, that. he was yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. And he died at like 74 or something from yeah. cancer. So it is too bad. I don't know what he was doing, but yeah, it's it's too bad. Yeah, he... Um, well, I mean, you know, the Doors were always a, an interesting band. Uh, you know, that book, uh, No One Gets Out of Here Alive. I just wanted is... to see what it looked like in the light. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And you kind of would think that's um oh god I'm now I'm gonna blank on his name completely. Uh, yeah, real genius. Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer's best movie. Yeah, no, I was thinking the same thing. Real genius. Real genius. I hope so. I'm wearing his underwear. (laughs) (laughs) That was, I think, beyond a shadow of uh, Val Kilmer's best movie. Maybe with a with a side mention of the remake of The Island of Dr. Moreau with Marlon Brando. That uh, one was so awesome. Yeah. But I don't know, real genius. And the Saint. Been. The Saint was good. Yeah, too. the Saint was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh but Real Genius was good. I mean real for that style of great. music. Oh yeah. or style of movie. <laughs> but then, but with the doors. I mean, he just had like the whole movements and everything mm-hmm. down just oh, he nailed beautifully. It. It's nailed like, it. you know. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was pushing the envelope. <laughs> boo boo boo. boo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did they have Crispin Glover as um Andy Warhol? I think so, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, David Bowie, Crispin Glover, I mean, who's the best Warhol? Probably Glover. I'm going to go with Glover. Yeah, yeah hands down who's on that. Closest one. to Warhol, Glover. Boop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got the new David Bowie album, and I wasn't really like turned on by it. I, I thought it was okay. It's um, didn't destroy me. It's um, well, it, you know, I think the indicator is is that um, you know, it's called the next day, mm-hmm. and it's just a white 
square called The Next Day that's in the middle of obviously what was the album cover from Heroes. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, yeah you're kind of just, yeah. <laughs> oh, but I got to say, Chris well, Hadfield, the the Canadian astronaut who did the garage band cut and paste on an iPad in collaboration with David Bowie while he was on the internet international space station. Wow. Cropped just together, like <laughs> cropped together a video in his free time while he was doing all his other stuff. And then just sent it to us, the Space Oddity. Wow. Have you seen the cover he did? Yes. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's great. It's brilliant. And, you know, it's just it's just cool. Now, tell me you guys saw the Big Bang Theory episode where uh, Bob Newhart was Dr. Proton. Yes. yes. Oh, that was so <laughs> yes. awesome. Yes. My God. I love Bob Newhart. <laughs> I, I love him. <laughs> and, and I had to explain it to the kids why this was cool. Yeah, Can I give them a, little, a quick rundown on, on Bob Newhart's previous yes. television shows? Oh, it's, yeah. it's funny. You know, t- speaking of Bob Newhart, I was, I was flipping through the various channels and they had, um, you know, the military channel. And, and it was uh, like to hell and back or hell is for heroes. Who the hell cares? <laughs> but it was like some black and white 60s war film. And I, I came right in the clip where Bob Newhart is in uniform and it turns out, you know, and they're under fire and he's like scrambling around and everything. And, and it turns out he's a communications officer. So then he's got to go in the foxhole and he's got to use Does a he field gotta get phone. On the phone. He's doing his gig, man. Well, he's doing his gig. gig. Nice. <laughs> I forget, but there's some comedian. I totally forgot his name. Uh, who, who claimed that Newhart stole that from him? Oh, like, whatever. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> too bad for you. Yeah. You know that 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 sometimes happens, but it's like the person who may have originated it was never going to take it anywhere, oh, yeah. and it took as big as this. Took a true genius like to kind of grab it. You know, how many songs that are remakes do you like better than the original songs? I mean, you know, come on, all along the Watchtower. Do you like the Bob Dylan version, yeah, or do you like the Jimi Hendrix I'm, version? I go with Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So. Frank Mills, I'd go with the Lemonheads version. So anyway, <laughs> that was the Peanuts. Uh, yeah, love love Charles Schultz. Yeah, major mad props to him. Let's go on to number one. Who's got a number right, one that we no, haven't no, mentioned yet? No, no, I haven't yet. done two yet. You've, all right, do your Although, number two. I, do I, don't, I don't think Sputnik wants me to do two. Do your number two. My number two, <laughs> which, which Sputnik just announced that he hated it. And we don't have to all agree. Oh, we, we don't have to all oh, agree. I am so sorry. Uh, we did no. not discuss this previous to our... No, no, I'm... That's fine. I'm totally fine with us not liking everything together. We, you okay. Know, we, we all don't, right. All right. Go uh, ahead and mention my number two. The D word. My D no, word. My number two is Dilbert. Oh. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Because burn. I like the comic strip, and I've I've read it quite a bit. And uh, Dilbert is uh, it's by Scott Adams. Ooh. And uh, it started in 1989. <laughs> <laughs> We're just not going to say anything anymore. <laughs> no, go for it. But it it and it does have some controversy. Uh, Sput, uh, Sputnik a lot is, of controversy. Is, is not the yeah. only one who doesn't like it. There's uh, uh, Norman Solomon has you know 
gotten a little uppity about Dilbert and about, it, you know, may, it, maybe it's not correctly portraying corporate culture. It, it, it's too harsh on the employees and not harsh enough on the management. Well, it causes a level of complacency among the employees due to the harsh conditions of the man. Like, they're supposed to accept the conditions of the Just management. Just because it's, like, cause Dilbert says it's, it's like that everywhere. Yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. How, that's how it is. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. It. Yeah, and the thing, the thing yeah. about Dilbert is, is, okay, there's that aspect of it. But the first aspect that gets me is that it's just, it's like too close to like everyday life, you know, yeah. in a state office. And I guess that's kind of why I like it because it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've been in that meeting, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I yeah. Mean, yeah. It's, it's kind of uh, like the far side. You're so tempted to put up a Dilbert cartoon on your wall because someone just said something so fucking Dilberty to you. And had you in such yeah. a Dilbert position yeah. that you, yeah. okay, that's funny. I'm going to put it on here because it's, it's funny, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. you're fucking with me <laughs> in such a horrible way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just uh, nails it. And, and I think even uh, Tom Tomorrow has uh, complained about Dilbert at some point. Well, so so uh, let's let's talk about Scott Adams quick because I I totally appreciate that you're talking about him. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's, yeah. Yeah, his, it's, it's, it's a fine strip. It's, his it's characters not bad. are great. They they live like in an office space like environment. Dogbert and Dilbert yeah. are doing things against management. There's all kinds of characters that are doing it, things in an office environment. Cubicles. There's a cube, yeah. cube world environment to it. But I gotta say, Scott Adams is at heart one of these libertarian kind of people who actually supported Mitt Romney in the the last election. I don't know okay. if you knew that or not. But he supported, I didn't know that. Yeah, he supported Romney but, because, and here's the, here's the kicker, yeah. because Obama was prosecuting marijuana uh, use, and he was still pushing against marijuana that he should people should really vote for Mitt Romney because because Romney wasn't because we don't know what Romney would have done, but we know that Obama was going to keep pushing against marijuana, even though yeah. we do know that Mitt Romney is just vehemently anti marijuana. We uh, everyone knew that that Mitt Romney was vehemently yeah. anti marijuana, yeah. and he was he he's voted against it already, so that we knew that. So it's just kind of like so don't vote for Obama because marijuana, yeah. and then and then this pissing match he got into back in two thousand and eleven, um, with Slate magazine, he got into this major pissing match because he talked about how men are basically hedonistic beings you can read the pissing match because it is a goddamn right. pissing match that men are hedonistic and they need to they need to uh have sex with women and if they don't get to have sex they will rape women and that tweeting rape he he, he compared tweeting raping and something else all all together in the same thing trying to be funny about how men need to be controlled and eventually we will be given drugs to sex us down so that we don't behave on our whims to rape people. And it was just... I mean, similar to the chemical castration that... Uh, which already existed at the time. Yeah. But so Slate Magazine writers were like, okay, yeah. we want to have a discussion about what you just wrote on your website because we uh -huh. found it so offensive that you were equating negative tweeting to rape and right. saying men can't yeah. control themselves and women want to control men through chemical castration. And he got in this long pissing match which honestly bored the living hell out of me when i read it I, but i i read most of it and and was eventually okay fine you guys are just gonna pithy remark after each other and and I, I i lost so much respect for him because i saw him as this guy who had said something but was not willing to say okay 
I was wrong. That was kind of stupid. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. Uh-huh. But instead, he, yeah, just, he yeah. just kept fighting the fight that he should have just stopped and just said, okay, you're right. And I, you've been in the, I've been in those situations where you realize I've said something stupid. Yeah. I'm going to apologize now and yeah. right. back away, <laughs> just from, right. walk away from it. <laughs> he, he didn't know when to quit. And, uh, and I lost a lot of respect for him. And then when I found out he was supporting Mitt Romney, and then when I found out that companies like Xerox and other places post his strips around because the corporations love him more than the employees love him, that made me go, well, you know what? Maybe you're getting a little too agreeable with the bad work situations. Right. That your employees don't dig it as much. Right. <laughs> and And I don't disagree yeah. with you. But the reason he's my number two is <laughs> he's be- my number two. <laughs> number two is because, <laughs> and we're getting back to the toilet episode here. But the, the the reason he's my number two is because you know st- basically through the 1990s, he was kind of that was sort of the go to cartoon when I just needed some comic relief right. re- related sure, no, to how how that. sucky my job was. I'm not saying he's it's a great cartoon or or, or he's a great person. Or Don't defend yourself. Right. Yeah. I mean, because it's, it's it's it is a funny strip. I'm not, I'm not going to say that it's not. Right. I mean, I think that uh, there's a lot of times uh, that that uh, you know I've I've paged through or something or somebody. Actually, the way I usually come in contact with it is somebody in my office says, "Oh, you know, or, you know, like tape something to in their cubicle right. or whatever." And yeah, yeah. they're the, funny. It, they'll often show up on a on a PDF or. A, PowerPoint presentations, right? <laughs> when and you're in meetings, yeah. There's a lot of IT stuff, and um, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, it's 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 funny in that regard. So and I've never, yeah. I'm not the kind of guy like I've never once posted a comic on a <sighs> cubicle wall or on like a, a yeah, door to my office. I've or done anything. that. Well, no, I always <laughs> felt like it it led me vulnerable because someone in the workplace would be like, "Oh, he doesn't like that," or "Oh, he think you know." Because I'm always afraid of the higher ups, and I'm like, I'm not gonna give them anything they can go with. You know, when they come to my door, they're gonna get nothing. Right. They'll get a hang in their cat or something. Yeah. Stupid, <laughs> and that'll just throw them off. You know, I never What's put stuff on, on my walls other than a calendar. <laughs> I just use like wallpaper. I do have a demotivational calendar this year. I oh, do yeah. have the those demotivational. Are good. Those yeah. are good. There you go. That yeah. always helps. Um, Fakeposters.com. That's a good one to go yeah. to for demotivational wallpapers. Uh, but but the one that I had for years was it was a picture of the gate over Auschwitz, you know, with Arbeit Mike Arbeit Mach Fry, you know, until he finally asked me to take it down, and and so I I just put up the the Buddhist monk that torched himself in Vietnam instead. Wow. Dude, I could never. It'd be it'd be such a you you should be like a reality show where someone has to supervise you. I just don't know what I would do. Yeah, I'm like yeah. kind oh of an God, HR nightmare. I gotta talk to Sputnik about that thing. I can never like deal with that. Well, yeah, and then how will I ever get Sputnik yeah. to not? And then our current, our just cur- get worse. Our current idiot <laughs> said that you know, in charge, boss's boss wanted to have like uh, different art put up, and 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 actually suggested that I be put, you know, that I be on that committee. And yes. I said, okay, fine. So I submitted all the images that I thought would really be good on on the walls to really kind of sum it up. I was asked not to be on the committee. <laughs> Were you at the bank where they uh, showed picture 
pictures of people jumping off the buildings. <laughs> Did you hear about that bank? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Where they had in their hallways people jumping off buildings. <laughs> not sure if they lived or not. I love really stark <laughs> black and white images. <laughs> did you did you suggest the Viet Cong getting his head shot? Oh, that, was that, one on your I had, list? that one I had <laughs> on my wallpaper too. A number one. Yeah. I, I saw a documentary about the guy who took that photo. Oh, that's it's an interesting and, photo. And, yeah, it's not what you think it is. Yeah, the photographer was actually kind of sad that the photo became such a success because he said the the general that did it was he didn't see him as necessarily that bad of a guy, no. and uh, the general had a little tough time after it. He like actually I think ran a restaurant and they on yeah the he East immigrated Coast to the U S. Yeah. and then and then graffiti started appearing his walls like we know what you did and everything. Wow. Like that. Yeah, he was yeah. A, he was a, a colonel in the uh, South Vietnamese security forces, and it was during the Tet Offensive. And yeah. the Viet Cong were not used extensively after the Tet Offensive simply because, well, they were incredibly brutal. That kid. So all you see is this black and white image of this older guy and he's surrounded and this kid's got his hands behind his back and he's pulling the trigger on him. Mm-hmm. But this kid was a was a VC that had just like brutally murdered an entire family and he was just putting him down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was it. And I mean, it's the middle of the Tet Offensive where everything is just coming just chaos. in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolute chaos. But yeah. Yeah. So the photographer, he's like, yeah, he he was kind of upset that it, it, it put a, a bad light on something that wasn't necessarily as bad as it looked. No. But that that's what can happen with photography. Photography I mean, can make things look you're better a war or worse. photographer. And I'm sorry, get over it. It's like the guy who took the picture of the, yeah. the child who was starving with the vulture next to him. I mean, you're in a, a, one of these zones. You're going to take yeah, pictures right. like this. It's your job. Yeah. And, yeah. and you're documenting and, something atrocious. And yeah. I don't know. I, I and, guess. And it did happen. And, uh, <laughs> right. and, and it is uncomfortable for people to see that, you know, essentially, yes, in wartime, people are just executed. Yeah, you know, yeah, quickly and but, without but, not much emotion or anything. But, and but for your ignorant American, yeah. I mean, looking at that image, what are you really thinking? Are you thinking who's killing who? I mean, does that even matter really? When you're 40 years away from the thing, when you're far away from the thing, right. does it yeah. really matter who did what? You know, I, I understand that you might have felt bad for the individual in this particular case, but it does exemplify the horrors of war in such a way that's going to live on forever yeah. you can't feel too bad about that i think uh the you know like the band of brothers tv show actually hit on that same kind of yeah. theme and if exactly. there were a few times where they just showed um just executions yeah okay. and um, i mean that's that's going to happen i mean that 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 happened in the second world war where and you know the allies some of them said hey like Patton was a great example. That's the take no prisoners. Yeah. That's what it means. If they're SS, yeah. you put them down. You don't take them prisoner. You just get it done. Yeah. 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 And, and that's, I, I think. So the, how the, did Scott Adams lead us down this path? Fuck. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. No. That's the, that's the reality. Love Scott Adams. And, and I think that's why, um, I mean, the, the, that's why we we can't take war lightly. No, it, it, it's no. very serious, and it's something we should try to avoid. And well, we're very sheltered from it now, but, and that's that's part of the problem. That's why we have these long wars now, is because we're not shown what the real cost of it is. It's just yeah. not there. There are, I'm sure, images like that, and yeah, we're, yeah, we're not seeing it because the you know the news is 
you know, whatever fluff. They actually have a restaurant that's just down the street from where I work. And the TV is always tuned to Al Jazeera Network. And these guys are, are like all ex-BBCers. And yeah. I got to tell you, you can learn more about what's going on in Afghanistan or whatever or the Middle East in general from watching Al Jazeera than you you can. Well, yeah, it's it's been one of the best networks for the last five years. Yeah. 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 So just a bit more on Dilbert. There was for a couple seasons a Dilbert uh, TV show. I do remember that. Animated show. Yeah. It, Kathy Griffith did a voice. Yeah, she That's did. That's all a, I cared about. She did a voice, <laughs> and Chris El- Elliott was Dogbert. I'm not gay, That's but I right. love her. <laughs> <laughs> no, she is really funny. Yeah. I'm well, yeah. Saying. If you love her, then yes, you're not gay. No, no, no. Usually, what? you'd be gay. Yeah, she has. A, she has a huge, <laughs> she has a gay, huge following. gay following. Yeah. Okay. Where are my gays? <laughs> well, right. But I was. <laughs> she always. She always does. God, that. I love that Biological. she dated uh, Waz too. Yeah, yeah, God, she dated. She's awesome. She's I mean, just so awesome. That might yeah. be just because she worked on Dilbert. I don't know, but mm-hmm. no, I'm, I'm, I have no idea. <laughs> no, I like um, the animated series too. It's always weird when they try to animate these comics. Uh, you know, The Far Side had a couple of animated specials that turned out kind of weird, and I liked them, but it was kind of yeah. weird. Yeah, it's it's how do you uh, animate a single frame? Yeah, exactly. Uh, right. You know, at least Dilbert, it's usually about three frames. Mm-hmm. I always used to but, love uh, that one calendar shot where it said, you know, we really have to rein in casual Fridays, and there's like one guy wearing a tutu and another guy's completely naked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that, I, that was the interesting thing about the Dilbert TV show. They there, there's a lot of nudity in that show. There was a lot of nudity. Yeah. In it. The one thing I always enjoyed about Dilbert was is that his tie was always sticking up because yeah. I always feel like that at work constantly. Like there's something wrong with something I'm wearing. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's yeah. not. Yeah. You know, like I just don't care. And it's but oh, and a couple more things that that I like about Dilbert. One, it kind of gives you an insight into the business world. I mean, you can say maybe it's too too easy on the management or too hard. To, the cubicle world is inherently insane. I think reading this stuff, it helps you understand how loony business is. And then it, so if you're thinking of, you know, investing in a business, it it helps to understand, you know, sure, you might invest in it, but don't don't expect like normal results or anything. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. and again, this might get back to the expectations are now put too low because of Dilbert. I don't know. It, 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 it's a it's point of thought. But on, on a back, a lighter note. Yeah. The other thing I really liked about Dilbert is a few years ago they they did the Dilbert House, the Dilbert Ultimate House, or the <laughs> Duh. And uh, this was like an oval shaped house with a courtyard in the middle. What was neat about it is they they really thought about okay, what are all the things that Dilbert would want to have as in this house, and they put it in there, and they put it in a relatively attractive architecture design Mm -hmm. you know i like architecture and thinking about houses and remodeling and everything like that so that was that that was a fun thing by the way tour how is how is the tour fortress of solitude coming it's continuing on uh you know we're years into the remodel and there's probably years to go but i'm wow my builder is hopefully finishing up the last (laughs) few things on his list this is one of those the longer we go on, the more he tends to wander off and do other projects. Sure. And the season starts to heat <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, and, and then the yeah. weather's not right. And then anyway, so. Sure, I know what you're saying. He, we're trying to get him done. And then I've actually taken on finish things off. Oh. So doing like the interior trim and I got to re-landscape the lawn because the lawn was all torn up and everything. So 
Uh, it's going to be a while because yeah. I, I I got a day job, so yeah. you know this is just landscape hour do, here doing and lawn there. work too. Landscaping that's that's a bitch. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, anyway, that's going to be uh, a chore yet, but it it hopefully be interesting. When you sit in front of a computer all day, kind of getting back to Dilbert, it's yeah. nice to come home and do something with your hands. There you go. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's keep, keep you somewhat insane. Okay, so that's what I got on Dilbert. So I'm at my number one then, and you already mentioned your number one. Yep. What is your modern, number one again? This Modern World. This Modern World. So my number one is Calvin and Hobbes. I really see him as the ultimate, the end of the top of the game of Sunday comics or yeah. comic strips in newspapers because the sure. newspapers are a dying art. We're losing them. That's fine. Yeah. We're going to lose them. They're going to go away. And that's great. But I think what he did was take everything that everyone else had done and create such a unique and inventive strip that it just incorporated all the artistic stamps that you could do, uh, including you know the watercolor work and the multi-panel work and the different panel illustrations he did, and just incorporate the things from Crazy Cat on, from yeah. from the Peanuts on, and from the everything on, uh, and just create the best and most brilliant comic ever. I would and, totally agree. I mean, he he so got into a child's imagination. Hmm. And just for that little bit while you're reading that strip, you kind of felt that yeah. way again, too. So yeah. when he was... Yeah. When That's he was, genius. When he was starting out, he, he was in political cartoons, and, and he started political cartoons at 19 or whatever, and, and he didn't know politics. He didn't understand, but he had to draw them, and he got into <laughs> politics, poli-sci, and he, he tried to draw political cartoons. And he, it was a frustration for him that he was really into the drawing and really into the art, but but not so much into the politics and then kept building that up and then realized I want to go into comic strip writing and ended up doing layout work and spent like Mm -hmm. years and years and years working and working like multiple jobs and then submitting to syndication to try to get picked up for different failed types of uh, comic strips. Cause even in college he was, he was doing all kinds of crazy stuff like drawing the uh, Michelangelo on his ceiling in his dorm room and all kinds of crazy stuff he would he would draw cartoon strips for his friends and he realized he was really into cartoon strip writing but he was trying to do too much and trying to fit too much into things and then slowly people were telling him you know take this out and do that maybe just tweak that a little bit and he would keep submitting so what i think about him is bill like kept going when mm-hmm. he could have quit he could have just said you know what fuck it no yeah. one cares this is taking like 10 sure. years and no one's buying it. And so I'm not going to move on, but he kept going forward. So I, I guess I like the struggle that he just kept moving forward, pushing on with his art idea that he really had something to contribute to the conversation. Sure. And then one of the, one of the groups loved him and they were like, this guy's a genius. He's got some great ideas. And he, he'd finally broken down this comic to like, uh, like Steuben Fernville or something like that. And it had a bunch of teenagers and it had Marvin and Hobbes and and he, he had this strip of people all grouped <laughs> together and he everyone was stumbling over each other. They're like, this guy's a great artist. He's got something going on here. Just break it down a little bit. And then eventually he broke it down to just Marvin and Hobbes, the kid and his his thing. Mm-hmm. And then Marvin his stuffed tiger. picked up. And and so he couldn't use the name Marvin anymore. So then he had to use the name Calvin. He just made up Calvin. And so there wasn't any big treatise on Calvin the the philosopher and Hobbes the philosopher. It was just, it was going to be Marvin <laughs> and Hobbes, but Marvin was another comic that picked up. One of the things that they, they they said we couldn't pick you up right now 
unless you incorporate this robot man because they wanted this robot man to be a part of the comic. And he's like, <laughs> no. That makes no, no sense. <laughs> yeah. they, they thought, well, None just, whatsoever. they were like, well, we want to merchandise this robot man. Oh, well. That, and then, okay, that's a Dilbert theme. Right. It's like the marketing they people like, always screw up your product. It, so, so we're going to yeah. add it, and then you just just make it into Calvin's imagination. Just add robot man. And and eventually, the guy who picked it up, well, okay, so so Bill just said, fuck you, basically. I'm out. And yeah. he, just, he took Calvin Hobbes back. And, and they had $1,000. You know, they paid him $1,000. Uh-huh. And um and uh, that was a retainer saying that you pass the thousand dollars back and then you can shop around a little bit, but but so he took the thousand dollars and they said I'm walking away, forget it, and then someone else jumped in and did the robot man thing, and he eventually worked into I think another I, I forget the name of him, but he he went on to do another comic that went very successfully. What's funny is he got picked up by another syndication. And then before he could go on to the other syndication, he had to pay back the other group the thousand dollars that they had given him, you know, to get on uh-huh. the retainer. The advance, yeah. Yeah. And apparently, the woman who who was forced into this, she had fought for him getting onto their group and and been turned down by the marketers and everybody. She felt horrible that that they had to get this thousand dollars. She was like, "Oh my god," she felt terrible about it. And you read the history about it; they just they felt awful about it. But they took the thousand dollars, got him free from the retainer, and then they went into syndication. And then, you know, over a couple of years, all of a sudden, got picked up by hundreds and hundreds of different papers, and and then just it snapped because he had spent years building up how to do panels, how to do his sure. art. That he he all of a sudden showed up as if he had a pure voice. Like here's my right. completely what I was going to do. But what people don't realize is he did all kinds of different iterations of failed ideas. Like he did a Spaceman spiff type thing where it was Spaceman Mort or something. And it just, it wasn't (laughs) fun. And and, uh, he could incorporate all these things later into Calvin's imagination. Sure. But the idea of the dualism of having like Calvin and Hobbes be the kid's perspective of a kid and his tiger. And then all of a sudden sometimes being the grown up perspective of a kid and his toy doll was such a cool dualism for me as a kid that I just fell in love with it immediately and then just just read it like crazy. But then when you got to those Sunday panels and you saw them all laid out with a giant Tyrannosaurus like tearing apart the scenery and then at the end getting chewed out by his teacher. I mean, those were it was classic <laughs> and I loved it. And you knew what was going to happen yeah. sometimes. But if it was Spaceman Spiff, Sometimes you had no idea what aliens he was going to encounter on the way to what turned out to be the principal's office, you know. Right. <laughs> you know, I just loved those and 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 Bill was like the quintessential like cartoonist because he understood backgrounds and watercolors and yes, he, he could draw everything and he had he had struck up some friendships with like Berkeley Breathed and with Charles Schultz and and Charles Schultz was like, "Oh my god, he can draw anything." He's like amazed by the ability of of Bill to just throw down crazy watercolors, but He's from Chagrin Falls, and all of um, the Calvin Hobbes takes place there, basically. And uh, where's Chagrin Falls? You know the the mascot of the football team there is a tiger. By the way, okay, oh. yeah. But uh, where does he live? Uh, Chagrin Falls is in Iowa or Ohio. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, I don't even. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna look at any notes or anything. But so love it. Susie Durkins, all the other characters. No, it's 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 a great. It's One a thing great that's strip. fantastic about it is that um, he never merchandised anything, nothing. 
That that always wow. amazed me because you know I would have bought some of that. <laughs> I would have yeah. bought tons of it. And you know, Berkeley Brethed was saying, you know, just merchandise the tiger. Just do a Hobbs doll. He's like, yeah. it's perfect for merchandising. Make it look like Hobbs as a doll and just do the one thing. Yeah. You'd make millions and millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. Just do the one thing. But what Bill always thought was it cheapened the art. He thought, you know what? It cheapens it and I want it to be what it is. It's my art and I would lose control of it. And, you know, early on, um, he would do interviews with people. And then he realized right. after all of a sudden everyone and his mother wanted to talk to him, he's like, you know what? Every time I talk to someone and do an interview, I'm wasting time that I could be spent working on the deadline for the next day that I've got to do of art. Yeah. So therefore, no more interviews ever. Sure. And he shut down all interviews and therefore wouldn't talk to anybody, wouldn't do interviews with anybody. So there's uh -huh. a whole – there's a book called Looking for Calvin and Hobbes by uh, Nevin uh, Martell. It's a great book and it's all about the rise and the wonderful strip of Calvin Hobbes. And he's interviewed in the film uh, Dear Mr. Watterson, which is also a really great film. Uh, but neither one of these guys got close to talking to Bill Watterson because he's a J.D. Salinger. He does not want to be bothered. Right. Um, he well, He's working on too. things and he doesn't – he's done. And I, I kind of love it. I kind of admire it. But I'm kind of – I'm so interested in him that I understand why he probably doesn't want to talk to people like me. You know, all he wants to say is through the characters, and and he's pretty much felt like he said what he could say with these characters, given the format that and the deadlines he was dealing with. That you know he would tear up five ideas and then get to that one idea for Monday, mm -hmm. and then it would be the best idea for Monday, rather than just do the uh, here's here's the idea and and just throw something together. Just tear it so I have a feeling he was a perfectionist, and I think that really played into his work, and I think that. The way that he avoided media is probably perfect. He's a cartoonist. Focus on your work. And then the way he pulled out of the game at the top and just said, I am done. And I'm not merchandising anything because I don't yeah. want to lose control of my art. It is you gotta me. respect that. I made enough money. Like, yeah. if I had a couple million dollars, I'd probably be fine for the rest of my life. You know, the uh -huh. more money you make, the more problems. More money, more problems. Come on. More money, more money. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, but but then on on the flip side too, we already talked about Gary Larson who used it as a way to to get, you know, the strip known and everything too. So, you know, you could go either way, but yeah, I do I mean Calvin and Hobbes to me is one of those uh strips that I think kind of goes beyond you know, like I feel like a lot of the strips that I've talked about tonight are, you know, more political in nature. But Calvin and Hobbes is one of those where I mean, that's just, it's art, it's fun, it's, you know, I mean, like, if you've ever been in a doctor's office or something, and, you know, like, this, there's, like, these old dog-eared magazines or something, and then maybe for the kids or something, they'll have a Calvin and Hobbes book. Mm -hmm. I'll still pick that thing up oh, and yeah. start yeah, leafing yeah. through it. You well, know? He, he always said when he started a strip that he felt like you had to have something to say. The strip had to some, have something to say, mm -hmm. and he had to attack it fairly. Right. So he wouldn't just he wouldn't just just glom on to someone who's wrong, but he would find something out there and then say something about what's going on, but still be fair about it. Right. And and I, I always found that kind of respectful about the Calvin Hobbes strip. Like Calvin was a crazy, ridiculous, tyrannical kid, and then Hobbes was a rational, crazy, tuna crazed tiger. And the parents were also living 
breathing, you know, people and not even to mention the, you know, the, the snowmen designs that he would always build the, oh, yeah. the maniacal zombie snowmen and the snowmen mass murders <laughs> and all the horrible snowmen that the dad would come home to that Calvin would leave around the yard, right? you know, and I just love the snowmen and yeah. Yeah. And yeah, the sledding. Yeah, that was, yeah. Yeah. That's a, truly a great strip. Well, you know, I if- could, I, we, I could do a whole podcast about Calvin Hobbes, but I think, you know, watch the movie Dear Water, Mr. Watterson or read the book Looking for Calvin and Hobbes. There's a lot of great depth that shows that many of these cartoonists, pretty much all of them, they understand who's on the right track. And they know that all of them have worked years and years and years mm-hmm. to get where they are Oh yeah, in the Sunday paper or comic strip field. You don't just right. all of a sudden jump in and be like, I'm, I'm rich. I'm, I'm just amazing. They had to fight for it for no, years, and I don't know if I'd true. have the tenacity to do it. I don't I'm, think I would either. I mean, especially you know, holding down a day job yeah, and all. Yeah, the and things, Bill yeah. Watterson held down some shitty jobs, and he felt totally demoralized by some of these shitty jobs, which I think made the strip more philosophical in a way because you had to understand the shit job before you can complain about a shit job. That's exactly if you right. haven't lived it, then mm-hmm. brother, you don't know. That's right. <laughs> you know? That's very true. Yeah. So. Well, you know, certainly, you know, if our listeners have their own favorite strips or their own opinions on the strips that we've talked about, please mm-hmm. let us know at feedback at tankriot.com. And to end things off will be my number one, the future of comics. Right. Which I kind of, <laughs> You know, I, d- I decided to pick uh, XKCD as my number one because right. it's not one I've read a whole lot in the past, mm-hmm. but I have a feeling it's going to be one of those that I'm going to be reading a whole lot in the future. And it is, uh, it's not a Sunday comic. It's a web comic. It is a web comic. Yeah. That's why I didn't mention it. Oh, were we supposed to stick with Sunday comics? No, 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 were no. Were there no, rules? No, 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 there no, were no, rules. There are no, no. There totally rules. <laughs> Well, and you them. broke them because Dilbert was on your list. Dil- no, yeah. <laughs> I broke the no Dilbert rule and you I know, broke the webcomic rule. One yeah, thing I'll mention go. about XKCD right away is read the meta text. That read, meta te- yeah, read the text behind the actual comic. Oh, oh embedded in the image? There's more There's more information. Oh, I didn't even know that. <laughs> See, like uh, I said, I haven't read them that much. <laughs> But they're they're hilarious, and they deal with like mathematics and science, and uh, you know, love stuff and everything. And it's uh, the uh, guy who does it is uh, Randall Monroe. Love you, Randall. Yeah, Please listen to our podcast stuff. and make fun of us. <laughs> but the way I found about a found about a found out about XKCD is uh, you know, I read Slashdot a lot, and often there's an article about something. And then often someone posts a comment about that article and they say they like obligatory XKCD. And then so they link to one of the cartoons that completely coincident- says the thing. coincidentally has to deal with the article. Yeah. And uh, so you read that. Yeah, it's funny and <laughs> everything. But it's cool because it, this is by far the most simplest uh, comic strip of, of all of these we've talked about. It's literally just stickmen mm-hmm. with uh, captions. But occasionally he does go into a more complex art, like a famous one is he he draws it's like a circuit diagram with the circuits, and there's just a lot of different little things where the uh the, you know the odd labels on the circuit uh say funny things it It started in September two thousand five, which actually is uh just a little bit before tank riot started. Wow, yeah, that's funny, so um. 
I think he's a bit more successful than we are. That's for sure. Because <laughs> <laughs> really, if you listen to Tank Ride, you've probably uh, looked at some XKCDs. Mm-hmm. You know, so. My favorite was the honey come to bed. I can't. Someone's wrong on the internet. Someone's wrong on the internet. Yes. That's classic. I mean, his insights are just dead on sometimes. I found myself late at night typing away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. So, I, yeah, I, I think just to sum it up, uh, you know, some of the strips you talk about the far side and Kelvin and Hobbes that they, they don't make new ones anymore. Well, the other thing about Bill Watterson and, is he fought for the comic spread. He fought for standards. He fought for trying to push the space out and he fought for maintaining his space. And he sometimes forced the syndicate to allow him the open spread to do what he wanted with the panel that he had so that he could uh-huh. manipulate the space so that he would get more space. So nowadays, comics are scrunched down so hard and so far. Oh, yeah. that you have to be a line drawer. You you can't be a watercolor artist. You have to be very succinct. You have to be a stickman artist. You yeah. know, and yeah. it just doesn't work anymore. And at the time, he you know Mort Walker and some of the Beetle, Beetle Bailey people were like, well, whatever. I don't know what this guy's on about, but. Whatever, let him go. <laughs> so anyway, some of the old school didn't yeah. get what, what he was pushing for, but Bill was a real hero to the medium and, and a yeah. genius artist. So, I mean... It it would, yeah, it'd be so nice if we could still open that big newspaper page and just the whole thing is filled with com- nice big comics. But you're right, they're all yeah. tiny now, and yeah. they're like on the right, and then the left you have articles or ads or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but... Things are moving to the internet, and so that's one yeah. reason. I, He's got a great website, and it's great yeah, to just go XKCD. panel by panel by panel. But you yeah. got to click on the me- you got to right click it and look at the meta text. Yeah, see here, I learned something today. So <laughs> there's some embedded explanations. It's a bit tedious sometimes, but whatever. Yeah, but I mean, if you're into <laughs> computers or mathematics and uh, you know stuff like yeah, that, examines that, like, HTML sometimes too because he embeds stuff in there as well. Oh. Dang, yeah, he's a is... sneaky bastard. Yeah, he's done uh, like like meetups. He's had codes, and mm-hmm. if you can decipher the code, yeah. it actually gave coordinates mm-hmm. to a location where you could go, and then he would give you like signed mm-hmm. uh, prints of stuff. And uh, so there's there's cool stuff. I like that pick. That was much yeah. better than Dilbert. I got to tell you. Yeah. <sighs> a good and, you made a great uh, transition. That's and I why... love Cyanide and Happiness as well. So. Mm-hmm. I'll throw that down as a web new web comic that I like. I mean, cool. it's not new, new, but yeah. Sadly, I'm reading a lot of Skyrim web comics nowadays, so <laughs> I'm a level thirty nine uh, dragon <laughs> born. So I keep progressing, but I don't know why the guards keep telling me keep your hands to yourself, sneak thief. <laughs> and I don't know why. I mean, I'm dragon born. I'm the head of the goddamn Shadow League. I don't know. Brotherhood of Shadows, that's me. Hey, I'm in charge here. Anyway, I get no respect in Skyrim. Well, gentlemen, (laughs) shall we wrap it up for the evening? I think that's episode 136. That is. Good evening. This has been Tank Ride. Bye-bye. (laughs) Bye-bye. Sad. No, that's not working out. Oh, it's my last day and nothing's working. Why is nothing working?
Let's try this, shall we? Let's say you pick the music. What? Uh, <laughs> so, what do you guys want to do next time?